Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 15.5. Nebraska was buttery and sweet, just like my voice. Dave says he's got a something of interest. So I got a text from a good friend of mine this morning that said that you, of all people, Me. might be interested to hear that there are national pundits who think Michigan's passing game involves too many flea flickers. What? 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 Who said that? I don't know. We're going to find them. Because Nebraska <laughs> covered the flea flicker? I mean, the the one last week against Rutgers was also covered, but they just... No, was it? Well, the... The over the top shot was, and okay. then they checked okay. it down. Okay, there are there are defenders within twenty yards of our players. Oh no, <laughs> too many flea flickers. What it, is, was a, it was a conversion. Does, it was a conversion. Wow, maybe maybe where Seth does is this more guy upset. Get off saying anything about too many flea flickers. Why, why do you think that, that like Brian's the only like pro flea flicker person on this podcast? Well, no, I I, I am a <laughs> equally. Flea flicker loving. I, I don't disagree with either of you. I enjoy seeing flea flickers too. Fortune but, but, flavors the flicker. <laughs> I should make this a t-shirt. <laughs> Brian makes it, it into a deal, what, at least every pre- preview, if not most games. Well, it's f- cool and fun. How, how many is too many in a, in a game? Well, now we're set up for the fake flea flicker. So had you ever seen that Fortune before? Or, Fortune before favors that the fake flea flickers <laughs> even more. <laughs> Fortuitously. Uh, yeah, so Brom <laughs> ran it like three years before he ran it against us. In the – okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember seeing it the first time. But yeah, I remember it. Okay. So, yeah. So that's going to be like a Penn State play? He ran it against <laughs> – don't listen, James. <laughs> he he ran against someone. I remember I remember liking it the first time. Cause Speaking of fake flea flickers, we'd like to thank Underground Printing for making this all possible. Check them out at UGPMichiganApparel.com or check out our selection of shirts on the MGOblogstore.com. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Matt Demarest, Realtor, and Lendor, <laughs> Ann Arbor Elder Law. I have not gotten approval for you Michigan to Michigan Hograd, <laughs> the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Venue by 4M, Human Element, Winewood Organics, and Signal Wire, who doesn't sponsor this podcast, but whatever. We're going to let it slide. We're, we're at Venue now. Free shout out. We are currently yeah. at Venue. Yeah. Where many people are enjoying a delicious brunch. All right. Michigan 45, Nebraska 7. And the thing I want to emphasize is like, okay, sometimes you beat a team 45 7. Oh. <laughs> it feels like but every it, game has it's, been 45 it's like, 7. It's like the modern version of 38 0. But it's hard to beat a team 45 to 7. When you play like Michigan does, right? Because so, you have to score on every drive. Like this, you is have like, to beat them. You have to beat forty-five nothing by the end of the first half, basically. Yeah. This was not that far away from the seventy-eight nothing Rutgers game. 
you know, Heinrich Harburg hit some passes. But that was about the only difference because in efficiency, like Michigan had a three and out when uh, Colson Loveland had Michigan's first probably routine drop of the season. That's borderline. Yeah, he's got to catch that. Yeah, it might be a two, though. I don't know. Um, and everything else is a touchdown until it's Jack Tuttle time, right. which happens with 20 minutes left in a football game. <laughs> so it's the second drive of the second half, I think. It took, yeah. it took, 20, it took 40 minutes for Michigan to be up 35 nothing in this game. And the only way you can do that by playing like Michigan is to just absolutely dominate the opponent. Well, they also didn't really have a lot of explosive plays on offense. I mean, well, they, they had were, a couple. <laughs> well, okay, but I'm talking about like three, three plays, like a 70 yard pass for a touchdown. Right, like yeah. that's how Michigan has to run the score up, right? Is like because otherwise they literally have to score on every drive, which they ended what up. Was, what was the doing. longest run? Was it JJ's touchdown? Uh, probably yes. Yeah. Um, and the yeah, by by one yard over. Kalel Mullings. Kalel Mullings, who had 20. All right. Are we going to we start there? Kalel we're gonna, first. Fine. We're going to talk Brian, about Kalel Brian, Mullings which, first. Which child do you love more, your JJ <laughs> child or your Kalel child? <laughs> I got to say, when he broke for that touchdown, I was like, yes. <laughs> Wait, that's it? <laughs> that's all you got? I was, but, like, this is me watching, like, a, a, a you, Nebraska game. You didn't stand up and popcorn went flying and no, you just, well, like, stomped around the, the living room? Was, like, yeah. I was like, yeah. And then... You look at it on replay and you're like a little disappointed because it's not as good of a run as it looked at the first place. Right. It Originally, it looked like he put a guy in the wrong gap. Right, but it's just yeah. belly. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but he hit the right gap. Well, he knows where he's supposed to go. Okay. Which belly is, nice. is go down the middle. It, it's like you're, belly you, is, you wash the whole line down. And then and, you yeah. pop out the, yeah. the other side. So that was still good mm -hmm. to be able to regap like that, maintain your momentum, and then accelerate it like he did at 240 pounds. Pretty good. Uh, and then I think it was actually his third down conversion after the first string line went out. Yeah. Where he actually had to regap on the fly, not not as part of the plan of the play. He's just got great feet. And if you get him a little bit of forward momentum, I mean. Oh, the way he hit. Uh, what was it? Henrich, the, the, the linebacker. Like, right. He just goes through the dude. And it, like that looked like it hurt. And he keeps his feet. He keeps his feet moving, and he grinds out. Like I, I jokingly called him Blake Corum, except two hundred forty pounds. But I, <laughs> I think didn't think you were joking. Devion Smith, but fast is part of. Is, is, we is, have to have a butt fast. The, is in the realm of possibility. I, I mean, he's I mean, just he's normal speed. Except he's much better at finding. Well, I was going to say, does, doesn't he than, find than, gaps? I, I mean, I would say Devion Ron Dane, but went to the right school. <laughs> I mean, I never really rated Ron Dane like I rate Khalil Mullins. <laughs> you, you were also, like, in college. Well, yeah, but also, like, Ron Dane was the, the worst Heisman in history. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know who he won it over? Mike Vick. Oh, that's right. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. That was back when we don't give it to sophomores just because they're sophomores. Right, yeah. Like, the one time where it's like, this is an injustice. It didn't go to a quarterback. In any case, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mullings had a really good day. And then the other interesting thing about the ground game is they were clearly telling Donovan Edwards, we're going to give you 15 to 20 carries in this game. And if 14 of them don't go between the tackles, <laughs> yes. we're going to tell your mom. <laughs> And so we saw exactly one bounce uh -huh. from Edwards 
Well, that was two. That was well, there, two. well, one of them looked like the design was to go outside. The one you got, I think, you got ten yards. Well, they gave first the, down, they, right? Nebraska went with like a five-person box. That was a five box. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Five and that was box. just like so. You run so there. that doesn't count. Yeah, no, it doesn't count. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, but so he bounced it twice, and one of them was questionable. He got four ish yards, which is probably what he was going to get when we went inside. But the rest of his day was cutting it up on gap-blocked runs for the most part, the occasional duo, Mm -hmm. lowering his shoulder when he found contact, and then grinding out yards after the carry. And he looked fairly effective doing it. And he didn't break anything long. That's fine. But compared to last week, when three of his five carries, which weren't dives into the line, were negatives, this was a big step forward. And even if it doesn't look like it on the stat sheet, I was highly encouraged by what he was doing. There, I did notice one time he gave like two stabs to a linebacker to try to get the guy to jump inside. He didn't, and then he just goes inside because the linebacker wouldn't go. But like he was still looking for it, and that's yeah. I, that's what you want Edwards to do is to try to get that linebacker to jump inside, but not go if you don't have it. Yeah, and I I felt like clearly. What happened in the in the meeting room this week was everybody just kind of looking at Donovan being like, what the hell, bro? <laughs> and we've seen him you know, evolve into a guy who is making the decisive cuts that he needs to mm-hmm. and then using that acceleration to just shock people who are in the wrong gap. And he's going to be working on it again. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where he had it and then – you know, he had his summer vacation, and he doesn't know any Spanish anymore. <laughs> and there's some guys like Coram where they're just like, you know, hola, senor. He just knows it. <laughs> those, are, those are tough words. It's, it's tough, you know. Yeah. You got to be, like, really up on the Spanish to be like, quiero tacos. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, they also made it a point to try to throw him the ball. Like, they threw an out to him on, like, the first drive, yeah. and then they threw an angle route to him that was broken up, I think. Well, they, they actually had RPOs in this game. Yes. And I, the throw to Edwards on the RPO was definitely the wrong decision. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, that was... Not to mention, you have two guards who are four, like, yards downfield. I was like, that was an illegal fat. I don't think so, but I was, I was like, when JJ had the ball, I was like, no! <laughs> The opposite of the yeah. mulling right. or the yeah. mullings run. <laughs> well, I was just like, oh, get it. Because it was the, the, the run play was wide open. Yeah. But, you know, they're just working these into the offense. So I'm sure there will be the occasional hiccup. And, of course, when you haven't run RPO for forever, you're like, oh, it's an RPO. I better pull it and throw it because it's cool. <laughs> and you know, I think JJ will get better at that. But after last week mm-hmm. when we saw <clears throat> the addition – of belly, mm-hmm. we saw Michigan go back to their. I don't know what I. Sh- I need a name for this. Their a gap power, where they're tr- dive. No, it's not. Oh, the so it's, it, it looks like a power play until uh-huh. the second guy through hits the the person who's trying to spill the play. Okay, and then it goes inside of that, and it's like it's like a counter to. The regular power, but it's not a counterplay. So I don't know what to call I, it. I don't. I think I wrote something about this in 2017 when they were doing it against Rutgers. Right. I didn't so, come up with a name for it. So they either. brought up they brought that back out last week, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> they had JJ run the ball last week. So this week you get the addition of RPOs in the offense, and it kind of feels like okay, we are 
gradually broadening what we do, broadening yeah. what we do, broadening what we do, and not ever running any outside zone. <laughs> <laughs> and and there's a cost to that because they were running a lot of twists to break up power, and you saw like them get stuffed a couple times when like they ran a twist and yeah. the guard missed a block, and that's what out, that's why you use outside zone against this style of defense. But like they have, they're good enough at power that they connected on enough of them that like. Well, also if you run a twist and they're just running a duo at you, you're you're done. Yeah. Because <laughs> one of the guys who's getting doubled is like, I'm going to leave now. And the other guy who comes across is like, uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't necessarily think that you have to run outside zone. It's nice to have it as a occasional mm-hmm. thing where a guy runs directly upfield and you get a free reach block on him. But the other thing that happened in this game is Henderson started and went the whole way. Yeah. So well, I whole way until well, the until, second half <laughs> until uh, the fourth quarter because it was the did Tuttle he play? In, oh, he played in the back back of minutes. Well, no, Tuttle time was uh, the starters and Tuttle, and then after that drive, it was uh, yeah. Backups. By the time Denegal was out there, I think they pulled Barnhart at right tackle and let Trente Jones play. Yeah, yeah, and Trente Jones looked fine. I know. Well, they all, they also put him as the sixth OL a few times, too. Yeah, and uh, the mystery of Trente Jones will never be solved for this podcast. But in any case, uh, Henderson had a couple of iffy pass pro mo- moments, although one of them was probably Blake Corum's fault because he ran into him. Yeah. <laughs> He's, like, trying to mirror a Huttmacher on a, on a yeah. twist, and then Blake bumps into him and gets around the corner. He's like, oh, well. They, really well, good. they all beat him inside every single time that he got beat. He was well, so the the touchdown to Wilson on the rollout was yeah. him getting beat inside, and I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to grade that because Keegan is, should probably be picking that up. Uh-huh. But there's a, a another Nebraska player who's also slanting into that gap, and so Keegan's got two guys coming to him. He picks the interior one, and then isn't that right. how what you're taught though is inside out? Yeah, I think so. And then because if that guy does beat Henderson to the inside. They've given up the corner. Yeah. And so with a guy like J.J., you get yeah. the results. You're just you like, get. okay. Right. Like, we're, we're going to live with J.J. McCarthy on the run. I mean, J.J. ends up running away from a 340-pound tackle, and he runs faster than he really needs to to get away from that guy. But like, Well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably used to running away from Kenneth Grant. Yeah. But, I mean, he, get, he gets slammed down by that guy when they twisted him again on the same same kind of thing. Yeah, so. and there there were a couple of blocks that I noticed Henderson making that I was like, okay, sir. Yeah. And the thing that stood out about Henderson on the ground is he wasn't giving it back. Yeah. Because remember, second game, uh, Hinton has that plus three block where he just shoves a guy down right. the field. Literally the next snap, he olays a guy and falls on his face. Uh-huh. So you see the potential there, but you also see that he's not a polished yeah. product. Henderson feels much more polished. Yeah. I, I mean, if Hinton takes a red shirt now because he's got he's working through something or whatever we're calling it, like, I, that's fine. Because he played in four he games. He played four games. The first played, four games. He yeah. played in the first four yeah. games, and now he's working through something. And you have Trent A mm-hmm. in case yeah. you need to fill And you can flip spots. Barnhart back if you, need, right, if you bring yeah. in Trent A. Yeah. So, I, I mean. It seems like maybe a three-tackle situation instead of four now. I don't know. Because if Trent A was really one of the four starters, you'd think he would have gotten some opportunity to actually play it as just, a starter. It just seems weird that Henderson didn't really play much in the first four games, and then now is like, oh, he's the starter, and maybe he is going I mean, forward. It might, be these past, it might be the past pro issues, maybe he's, just not picking He's a guy up. who was a guard last year. Yeah. He didn't get spring practice at Michigan. Right. 
So it makes a ton of sense that he would have to come along in a way that Nugent and Hinton didn't because they were coming from Stanford, hmm. which is well, <laughs> they run the same offense. It was, with the same it was play David calls, Shaw yeah. Stanford. It was yeah. like the yeah. same uh, nomenclature, the same terminology. So it makes sense that Henderson was slower to come along. Um, and we'll see what the grades say. But I, I re- like when I did the UFR last week, mm-hmm. I didn't really think, oh, well, Henderson's doing great. And I got a lot of clips that are showing him doing great. And then I got to the grading and I was like, oh, he just piled yeah. up plus ones and halves. And- I mean, he was going to do that again. He had a, a poll that was really good that it might be even a plus two because he gets around a guy and turns yeah. him in. Um, I I think that he's going to have three pass pro minuses and those are always those always stick out. Well, I mean, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with a couple of them because one of them was Hart, yeah. yeah, and one of them is like, okay, he got inside and terrorized the quarterback on a three man rush, and JJ broke the pocket and threw a touchdown. Like, how bad is that? Right, <laughs> it's probably a minus one. Yeah, which I, like, isn't... I like how you called Quorum Hart. Oh well, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to Blake Quorum for implying he's slow. Oh, zing. <laughs> So I, I did have a question for you about the run game. It's like, do you, does it mean more to you because it came against Nebraska, who has a better rush defense, or do you think maybe they don't? I, it's hard to tell. Um, that nose is fine, man. Like he's like he's a player. I mean, it's clear that they're well coached, right? They know what they're doing because you can't be busting assignments on the regular and have anywhere near their results. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think on one level. It's clear that they are at least a decent run defense. Do they have the horses to compete with Michigan? Probably not. Would they have the horses to compete with Penn State? I think maybe. Because we've seen what Penn State has been able to do this year on the ground, and it's like they don't really do a whole lot unless someone saves a play at their, their running back. I mean, Penn State was having trouble with Northwestern. We'll get into that one later. Well, yeah, and like their ground game against Northwestern didn't really look like a whole lot. So I feel like this was some level of proof of concept. Um, especially because you've changed your tackle situation. It feels much better. You're not running outside the zone. It kind of feels like this is what we're going to do. This is who we are. And all the stuff from the first three weeks where we're like, ah, I don't know what they're trying to do. I don't know about the tackle rotation. I don't know. It, it yeah. feels like this was the week where it's like, okay, let's go. This is. I mean, you started to think that a little bit last week with Corum, and he looked like yeah. Blake Corum again. Yeah, like I mean, he didn't have the the long running breakers that well, he sometimes has, but he hit probably what multiple eight nine yarders. So this is a good proof of concept, I think, for the the th- the way Michigan can just destroy you. Is first down, Blake Corm's going to turn a play that was blocked for four yards into six or eight yards. Okay, then you're in second and short, and they can run dive or belly on you, and you can't. Overcommit to either one of them, or right? JJ will keep it, or JJ will keep it. They kept that JJ keeps it the beginning of the game, right? Yep. I think it was like the first play, first play of the game, JJ or second play, yeah, one, yeah, yeah. No, first play of the game was the What's out the, uh, was the yeah. Morris catch, yeah. the yeah. first run though, the first run, and then when they they go to run it again, all of a sudden that's open, right? The guy has to pull up, and I think the the Mullings run, the cornerback had to pull up just enough. It wasn't a ton, yes. right? Yeah. He, he did. The, yep. He pulled the guy out of position just yeah. enough. Because JJ's like running sort of out of the screen as Mullings hits yeah. that hole, and you can see the corner just kind of stop for. I have an absolutely ludicrous idea where they hand it off on a belly play, and then he pitches it back to, to McCarthy. Because <laughs> McCarthy's over there, and he's like, oh, I got the ball. Oh, that's, that's not ludicrous. I, I actually. That's crazy. I sent, is that, is that I like sent a flag that to football? the coaches one time. What? You can't do that. That. 
It's I, ludicrous. You it's can't send plays to the coaches. Yes, because like, he thinks he's Zach Zinter. You think you're Zach Zinter. <laughs> you can't. Zach Zinter gets to do that because he's Zach Zinter. You're just a blogger. I did it once. Oh my god! I did it once because how long? Which, how often? Which set of coaches? Because he's always running in like a pitch relationship with a running back. Yeah, it is notable that he yeah. is w- running a pitch relationship. Yeah, but it's crazy. But and like, we will do it. <laughs> please do it. Please do it. One. Do it. Please do it. That would be the ultimate flea flicker. <laughs> I was about to say maybe that's the Penn State fake flea flicker pitch. Well, I do think that uh, you might see that triple option comeback where they have Edwards oh yeah flat yeah. And what what'll happen is you're going to have one of the guys blocking for Edwards on the outside just release and go downfield. I mean, that's become – I mean, Oregon did that a while ago. Yeah, Auburn and, did that against Alabama. Yeah, and then teams started doing that where you, you fake the bubble block and then you just yeah. go. Yeah, I mean, that's hard. Yeah. I think Michigan actually ran their arc read on this this game too, but it got blown up because, like, they were blitzing in from the side at that play. So, like – it ends up just being a because the arc read if you it's the tight end's making the read as well so the tight end if he actually just runs split zone it's hard to tell if it was a read or not you kind of have to watch the quarterback's eyes and decide you can decide this on when you're doing UFR I but, didn't notice that myself but yeah. I you know it's hard often to um, yeah get a few looks at a play uh, the other thing that kind of jumped out in terms of a, this is who we are is like what would you say is the bread and butter of Michigan's passing game uh, probably the the in the 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 dig the, the, yeah. the deep or the, the dig it's called it isn't it someone said I think it's a deep in it's route. a dagger it's called a, well it's right dagger is combo dagger is the concept the, but that's what they do though right is they I, run but like what's the most common thing JJ is throwing it's a dig yeah well because they 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 have to be deep on Wilson on the go right I have never watched a football team where their primary concept was a 15-yard to 20-yard dig route. You're not watching enough NFL then. Well, that's, well, what I'm, that's a huge NFL play. But, what I'm yeah. sa- well, but like even the NFL, you know, they, they, they hit digs and all that stuff, but it's not like their number one thing that they're looking for because whenever you go over the middle, it's dangerous. Yeah. People can pop up from anywhere and you might throw an interception, but the combination of Michigan's ground game and J.J. McCarthy and Roman Wilson means that whoever's running that dig – isn't going to have a linebacker level to worry about and isn't going to have a safety to worry about because you got to bracket Wilson. So, you know, they get the flea flicker and it's like, well, I'm just going to sit here in the pocket forever and then laser it into Cornelius yeah. Johnson. Oh, let's laser it into Derek Clemens. Why or, not? Yeah, they, I was going to say, they, <laughs> yeah. they threw one to Darius, Clemens. So, they yeah, they threw one to Clemens too. So it's so not on just... that one, did you see the, the release that Roman Wilson got? He just put that cornerback on the ground and they're they're doubling him so the cornerback is following him. the cornerback is almost in the play it looked like he was throwing the double coverage because the cornerback was beat that badly oh you you mean he was he was almost the, the, interfering the, the, with the in route then yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah. he was because he was so far behind but they're bracketing him so like you couldn't really throw it to Roman at that point but I mean that's that describes what we're talking about that when Roman releases from the slot and he's going upfield. You have to put someone over him. There yeah. is no way to stay with him all the way. I don't, maybe someone's going to have a guy, but like maybe Penn State will have a guy who can do that. But like that's it. And if, as long as you know that the safety is going to can't come hammer down, that dig is going to be open. Yeah, especially because the linebackers, if you're running play action, they're not they're all right be, there. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be have anywhere near the depth they need to contest no. that throw. Yep. So Michigan has invented the all dig offense. <laughs> Which you've never seen before. I, I, seriously, like, well, for one, I watched a lot of Lloyd Carr teams, and Lloyd Carr was like... That was a long time ago. If you are a fifth-year senior Tom Brady, we will let you throw over the middle once. 
as a treat. <laughs> as a treat. <laughs> but this this offense is just like, yeah, that's always open. And, you know, there's a 20-mile-per-hour 20, 20 wind in this game, and it just doesn't matter to J.J. Yeah, I didn't think that he seemed to be particularly affected I, by the wind. There was one throw. The, the, the one to Cornelius Johnson that was yeah, really deep, and I think the wind that, picked it up well, a little also, bit. Well, also the, touch, the crazy touchdown to, to Roman. Oh, maybe that yeah, one was got in. held up, I believe. Yeah. The, the one, the corner route, I don't know, it, was a, it looked like a double move. And I thought either CJ broke late on that or maybe JJ threw it early. Completion? Yeah. I mean, to me, that looked like a pretty good route that was open and then the ball was just a little. Yeah, because it was wide. It wasn't, it wasn't like it yeah. was too I mean, he's far. open by two yards and he's got, uh, you know, he has leverage. Yeah. And so he ran the route correctly. Okay. And that's what you want out of that play. Yeah, just, it's an NFL window, but I mean, it's J.J. McCarthy. And I think the yeah. wind just picked up that ball because he was in the air for a while. So I didn't think McCarthy had the best start when I went back and rewatched. Like I gave him like out of his first four throws, three of them were negative, despite a couple of them being complete. Like the throw he throws to Edwards in the flat takes him off his feet. That's exactly what I said. And then obviously the throw to Roman was severely underthrown. I mean, that was into the that one. Wow. I mean, of course, that's a nine man drop. Yeah, and he finds the guy who's got a defensive back completely turned around, and yeah, it's short, but you gave your man a chance to make the play. I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. Yeah, that. I guess. I mean, that was. <laughs> that, I mean, that, that one's a, a march. How many at catches? The worst. And the other come two to are mind. like. All right. So then there's the and so his four. Let's do his. Let's do, let's play the. Let's play let's the. Let's play all the game. incompletions game. Yeah, there's the all one that off the, the first hands one, of Edwards, which I think was is the RPO misread. Right, that's the slant. No, 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 that angle. was caught. We're playing name the incompletions. Wait, no, no, no. Well, the second throw of the game about, was not. Why are you talking caught. about the one that was caught? Yeah, so no, the, the, he he starts mentioning the one that's caught. The other that was off of Edwards no, no, hands. the angle route where he comes over the, the angle middle. route was the Texas. Yeah, that was the one that that's the RPO that was that was that was the RPO. Down. So there's the RPO okay. in the flat where he takes him off his feet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The and one they, over the middle, the slant was not caught. I couldn't tell if that was broken up or not. Or it was. was I think it was just. It broken seemed up. like he. W- I mean, it d- to me, it didn't seem like. I think the it was right mostly throw. Edwards dropped it, but I think it was the right okay. throw. And Edwards. Okay. Dropped. I. I so mean, they're the, running Quorum and Edwards. They're running the Quorum's going in the flat and then Edwards coming in. So you know you're going to get a linebacker, and it's the the right read. And I think I think it's not the right throw. Yeah. Because that's what I was thinking. You need to let him clear that guy, and mm-hmm. he didn't let him clear. So the linebacker isn't going to stay with. Edwards, as long as you give him an opportunity to to get past, and so yeah. I felt that one will probably come in for a negative. The long Cornelius Johnson in a completion we've already talked about. He wings one high and hard to Colson Loveland that should yeah. should be caught. I, think I believe. Caught. Yeah, and there's another one. Both of those, by the way, were when Henderson uh, lost his guy, so both of them were under pressure. Is the the one that Loveland should have caught the sideline? Yep. And then there's the one that the in Loveland, route to Loveland that he yeah. just threw too high. Yeah, but there was a guy yeah. in his face. For there was a guy in his face, and you have to throw that one high because what you don't want to do is short it and get it picked off. Yeah, sure. Like the, that was that's probably going to be he, a PR. He, it was also first down, and he had a check down that was wide open. But in that situation, I'm thinking too, exactly right? yeah. is like you take your shot on first down. If it's third and four and you need to pick it up, okay, fair. Then you dump it to Blake or something. But I, I did have one moment of like you know uh, nostalgia for the McNamara era, the McNamara <laughs> <laughs> when they dumped it down to, to Cornelius Johnson and Johnson breaks a tackle and gets yak and oh, gets yeah. the first down. Or I, I thought well, he, they can still do that. 
I know, but like we don't do that anymore, and that used to be like the play. They, they do it. To, they used to do it so much. They do it to Wilson in 2021. Okay, but they do versions of that to Wilson. I, he had. Yeah, he even had one today who, or yesterday. Why? 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 Like, okay, we're just we're just we're just like nailing every dig known to man, and you're like, I wish we could do a drag route. Like, <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> hey, there was just a little moment, a tiny moment, Ugh. a tiny, a tiny, like, oh yeah, we used to do that. You've we been used in, to be you've the drag infe- team. You've been infected with the. Iowa virus. Well, they did. Uh, no. They yeah. did the thing where no. they brought Wilson underneath the line of screen or underneath the line, right? They bring him the, the in motion, yeah. and then just quick out, and like he picks up a chunk yards there, and that's just. I mean, that seems unguardable. Like you pretty much have to know that's. I mean, if you have man coverage, it is right. Like who's who's keeping up with that? We talked about that earlier, where he ran a crossing route over the middle or over the middle, and JJ let him clear, and he just got separation. And I mean, there's just there's I, no one that's catching him. On my that. point there is that Roman Wilson is going to be your deep threat all the time, right? And then Colson Loveland is great on a dig. Cornelius Johnson is great on a dig too, but Cornelius Johnson is really good at that crossing route as well and they don't really drag. use the drag route and they haven't used him that much in that he's really good at breaking the tackle he's got that little burst of acceleration okay. and like but that's another weapon to, to use sometimes sh- sure yes <laughs> for a team that's short on weapons well, well i mean if darius clemens is going to be your i mean big guy then... I, I think it is a good point that it is something that if you use it occasionally it's a good part of your arsenal yeah but once people start sitting on it it's death yeah um Similarly, Michigan ran a couple of waggle plays in this game. Uh-huh. One of them was the little flick to Barner. <laughs> the underhand, yeah, like, that, that's second a, baseman to a shortstop that, pitch for a double play. I thought that was that RPO play that we that we that I used to hate. Um, there's a word for it, like, stretch or split. Something. There's a uh, – well, there's, there's it's a not that, that much play. different. But, yeah, yeah some, I, I didn't look at it closely enough to determine whether there's an RPO. But anyway – Whenever people are selling out to the interior, running your quarterback is one solution. And also, I mean, they had a another flip out. I think it was to Wilson. Um, the first play of the game? No, no. It was it was uh, one of those things where he motions in and then he pulls across the formation like a tight end would, except it's Roman Wilson. Right. And they just dump it to him in the flat and he picks up a chunk. So because Michigan has an identity... Because Michigan is the between the tackles team. Yeah. Whenever they run a constraint play, it's like free yards. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Has there been a constraint play that has been stopped this year? <laughs> uh, the only one I can think of is the one that I was I mentioned earlier is when I think they ran the the arc read and they they actually just blew it up because they okay. had the the wrong blitz. Well, on. I'll have to I'll have yeah. to look at that. But like un- unless that is the case, like every constraint play has just play has been free yards. They ran another tunnel screen to Samaj in this game. Yeah. And that was free yards. It's all free yards. Cause oh, that was like later on, yeah. It was Everybody is freaking out about getting ground up. Well, and they hit the Barner over the middle and Loveland over the middle on like third down plays. Like Loveland made a guy miss and yeah. then picked up the first down. And, and he JJ hit Barner, I think, like right near the sticks. And he had a catch, took a hit. I mean, I, just kind of going back to what I said earlier, like there are just so many guys you can throw the ball. I, so many guys you can throw the ball to in the, the development of Bredesen and Barner yeah. as like A plus blocking tight ends. Yeah, like I mean another thing. Bredesen had a number of great blocks in this game too. I I feel bad that I haven't put him on the chart as like one of the starters yet. I just need to go and do that. Like 
it's I didn't want to put three tight ends on the <laughs> but why isn't that's the most because Michigan thing sh- because you know why because when we're previewing the defenses that we're going to face you never see them in anything but nickel personnel well because that's because nobody else is like a base three tight end system. That's why Michigan puts three but tight like, ends on Really, the like, the, I think the best block play of the day was it went through Loveland and um, or no, Loveland goes outside. It was all, all three tight ends were on the field and the play goes between Bredesen and uh, Barner. And was like, you talking about the Mullings touchdown? Was it the Mullings? No, I thought it was a quorum run that well, ended in any case, seven yards. The, I mean, the Mullings touchdown was another yeah. thing because it's belly, right? So you're supposed to like just wash everybody down. Bredesen's the last man on the line. He sees that everybody's been washed down, and he's like, oh, i got to go find some work, and he picks off the, the cornerback, and that's the difference between a conversion and a touchdown. Yeah. And, you know, Bredesen was okay last year. Uh-huh. It wasn't great. No, he was like a redshirt sophomore last I, year. He was a redshirt yeah. freshman last year. Oh, hey, Okay. And he was a redshirt, and yeah. he wasn't like a dedicated fullback. He wasn't wearing 44. Right. And, like, man, this guy bought in. Yeah. Right? Like, I, you know, I, I didn't chart Chris Floyd. <laughs> who was who was the uh, the late car full Dudley it, Dudley yeah Kevin it, Dudley Dudley and Shea right Shea was never Shea was a nice piece especially as a, a wide receiver but as t- and just in terms of a lead blocker he was never that was Shea was like hulked up Colson Loveland he was never he was never elite okay in that. like Dudley is the best blocking fullback yeah. I've ever seen at Michigan. And I don't I don't think it's out of the question that Bredesen passes him this year. Is that how he earned forty four? Because like you know, Dudley was really powerful, but Bredesen is powerful and so smart. Like they're asking him to do a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and he's able to just execute all of it. I'm always happy when he gets a pass. Like give give your dog a bone, man. Yeah, <laughs> um, he caught a pass for five yards. Yeah, and then Barner, like man, they must have. Does he have another year? Or is this yes. just a walk? Yeah. He has another year, but I don't know if he's going to take it at this rate. I don't know. Well, Hibner decided he's going to transfer, which yeah. tells me that he doesn't think he's going to start next year. Oh, Hibner's out? Hibner's, yeah, Hibner's yeah. taking a red shirt and he's going to transfer. Oh, did we didn't he's got that. This, And he is the same age as uh, some, uh, Barner. Josh Henschke reported on it. Oh, okay. It's not okay. public. Yeah, it's okay. not like out there, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but now, I guess now it is. Good stuff, okay. Brian. But so breaking kind of rivals. It's nice. And 24-7. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's a um, he has the same exact uh, eligibility as Barner, so that's why I thought that that might that might mean that Barner plans to come back next year. He should like this. He's going to put some things on tape this year, but like maybe I mean, well, we'll see what the second half of the year is. We'll I mean, see, we'll see how it he's goes. become more involved in the offense. You said his blocking has gotten better. I mean, his blocking was has been like. A plus since game two. Game one yeah. was kind of like, I don't know about this. And then game two is like, yeah. okay. And now they're and throwing the ball to him. They threw the ball to him downfield three or four times in this game. Yep. And he looked pretty natural catching it. Uh, when we were looking at him for the season preview, you know, there's a reel of him making very difficult catches because he was playing for Indiana yeah. a year ago. So I think that he has upside there as a receiver. Maybe not one Michigan is going to explore a great deal this year because it's like, well, who, I mean, who are we taking <laughs> I mean, the targets away from? Yeah. He's got a butt zone touchdown against Ohio State on yeah. that tape. And do you think he, like the Indiana guys call him after the games and be like, hey, man, we're so glad you got out? Maybe. But <laughs> I looked at the snap counts and Michigan skill position players last week, he had more snaps than anybody. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, that is saying something. Kind of, except that he's a tight end. That's what well, happened. Yeah, but he's Who's a tight Michigan's end. third tight end, by but the he, way? This year? 
Who is Michigan's third tight end? Does Bredesen count? Because it's yeah, basically it's him. So it's Bredesen, their third tight end. Like, because that guy is one of the best players in the Big Ten right now. Well, yeah, and they had three tight ends get more snaps than their number three receiver. Which <laughs> I, I don't think can, is there. Can there possibly be another team in the country that's true for? It? You ask why we have trouble recruiting receivers. Well, it's facts. Maybe like Iowa, but not anymore because like they lost one of their receiver or one of their their top tight ends for the year. Well, in any case, I can see why Eric all transferred. I mean, can you imagine? Would he be getting playing time on this? Well, team? yes, because he's really good, and I mean, he had what, like almost a hundred yards I don't, last. I don't, summer. I don't know, man. Like if, if well, Barner if, probably doesn't come here. If all I, I think yeah. he'd be taking playing time away from third receivers or fourth receivers. Like, but I think Barner is an upgrade on all because Ooh. because all as a blocker, all all. Gave a lot of effort, but he was never this consistent. Uh, you mean as a blocker? Yeah. Because as I a mean, pass I, catcher, I would disagree. As a, as a blocker, I graded him really well in 21. Yeah. I mean, I graded him. I didn't have much of him last year because yeah. he got hurt. But I was like, you know, this guy's solid. Yeah. Barner is – and, like, who, I mean, honestly, who cares about whether Barner slash Eric All can catch a ball? Yeah. It's not relevant. I I think I think the fact is that if they didn't lose Eric Hall, they don't get no. Harder, they probably so, don't. Yeah. yeah. But and I think you'd be getting similar production out of him, which is incredible. They like be like, go find another great. Well, I mean, they played Indiana last year, so they must have scouted the team. And whoever scouted AJ Barter was like, you know, this guy's a dude. He didn't play against us last year. He played against us two years ago. But he was a dude. He was the only <laughs> thing working for them. That might be even more impressive because last did year we, they did, had some semblance of a quarterback. No, he wasn't going to play, or did? Yeah, yeah. He, he got out? well. He was he was out for a few weeks. He missed like the missed Michigan game and a couple other big games. Well, in right? any case, that's a quite a talent eval to be able to pick over the carcass of Indiana's offense and be like, "This is the guy we want." When they weren't running inside ever with a tight end out, like they were putting him as a wide out yeah. and having him block for tight ends and Walt Bell offense. Well, in any case, a block for receivers. The skill position players are a beautiful symphony of skills that all meld into a delicious cocktail. So, of defensive defenestration. Do you have any backup quarterback takes at all? No. None. I mean, we don't practice fucked, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I would take Jaden Denegal over uh, some of the other quarterbacks I was. I watching thought Denegal looked okay. I mean. I, O'Leary was open for the touchdown pass, but he pulled it down and ran a couple of times. And he yeah, one of them was kinda, bad though. Like one of them was good, and one of them was like, you have a guy open, mm-hmm. just yeah, just throw it to him, right? And and Tuttle, I mean, you you just see the difference. <laughs> like there, you start getting used to the JJ, and yeah. then like you're, it's like going into a you know a pool when like you've been in a hot tub. It's just like it's a shock. You, well, you, you feel right. it. Let, a little let me more let me modify should. that take. I do okay. I do feel Michigan can survive fairly well with. Tuttle. You think so? He's got enough. Yeah. Like the the with the, off, with the weapons around with him. The off, and, offense goes back in the shell and goes back to Hassan Haskins and stuff like that. Michigan won the Big Ten with that last year. Can they win a ago. national championship? Two years ago. With, with Jack Tuttle? Probably not. No. Can they win the Big Ten? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You think Tuttle beats Ohio State? Could beat Ohio State? I mean, we saw, we've seen what Cade McNamara is doing outside of the context of the Michigan <laughs> offense. Do you think uh, Cade McNamara can win the Big Ten? I think he did. Okay. How so, how sad were you guys that Orgy's hurt and we didn't get to see him? Yesterday? Is he? Like, did, I, he maybe I missed all the announcements. He was listed as out oh. last yeah. week, but he was not listed as out this week. Uh-huh. So, he just, did he go on the trip? Because they brought a lot of quarterbacks. They prob- He probably didn't go on the trip. Yeah. Because yeah. they brought 
the four guys. I know, yeah. but it would have been so they much. All play. I, I mean, I was just like, it would have been a very good. It would have been fun. Well, the I, way that we were just mashing them at that point, and Nebraska didn't want to keep on throwing their weird stuff on tape, and it would in any fun. case, touchdown Cooper Cup. Can I give a couple? I mean, if we're rolling down the offense, can I give a couple shout outs to guys we already know are really good? No, <sighs> Zach. <laughs> Zach Zinter, sir. He's just doing it anyway. I, what did you think he was going to do? Something else? No. Uh, okay. I, I I I'm not stopping with my Zach Zinter take. Okay. He uh, just had another. He had two more of those blocks where, like, the nose tackle is trying to fight across the center, and he just whams that guy two gaps over, and then he gets to go pick somebody else off because that guy's dead. And Nugent didn't do as good of a job as Olu used to, but like yeah. he'll get used to it. Yeah. I mean, Nugent was okay yesterday. Yes. He like. He's solid. I still have some concerns, like if Michigan gets up against like a real dude at defensive tackle, which I don't and think who's Hudbacher the best who's, is yet. Who's the best defensive tackle remaining on the schedule? Uh, Hall, Simeon Barrow, maybe before Ohio State. I Barrow got hurt last night. Bad. Uh, he was lying down, and they had uh, like he, it. It looked pretty bad. It looked like one of those ankles where he oh, had to like. Okay. Is that at State? Yeah. So that's in yeah. like three weeks. Yeah. So like. State does have some guys at defensive tackle, mm-hmm. though, so we'll see. I don't. I mean, they obviously don't have enough on the rest of the team to do a whole lot, but right, you know. Huh. So, did you? You had one more. His name's Blake Corum. Yeah. Okay. We- <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's funny because, like, I remember like two years ago, or well, leading into last year, we're like, all right, it's Blake. You know, we know he's good. How good? You know, where's the elite? and then like four games. Into we're just like okay, so he's awesome. Not me, and man. We would, I turned and him we in twenty one. I was we just would like, laugh Gee. about him. And now we're to the point of where he has another good game, and we kind of yawn. Yeah, and you're like, oh yeah, well best. I mean, best running back in the last thirty, forty, whatever, however other, many years. Other, other like, than Hart, do you remember another back who could turn every four yard gain into an eight yard game by just like putting a move on a safety as he's about to get hit in all that? Like, I mean, he just does it with such consistency. Kalel Mullings, I'm. <laughs> He doesn't – no, at that point in his run, he's just running through a guy. He's – the difference between Kalel Mullings and, and Corum is like Corum will put a move on that linebacker right. and the linebacker so gets clear, a glancing clearly blow. So when Blake, I know. when Blake leaves after this year, is, is Mullings dropping a zero and just taking two and you're just going to be like, I'm watching the same guy? I th- well, <laughs> I think the body shape will <laughs> prohibit that. But, you know, I'm, I'm on board for, for the Kalel Mullings show next year. All right. Do we have any other takes on the offense? Nope. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, talk about the defense. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. 
To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner, Founder and President at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning or do you need to play catch up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry-up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. Hey, fellow Michigan fans, this is Matt Demarest, Realtor and Lender. For a decade now, you've heard me on the podcast talk about mortgages, and I've helped hundreds of fellow Michigan fans in that capacity, including Brian and Seth. But many of you don't know I'm a real estate broker as well. I promise to make buying, selling, or financing homes simple and cost-effective anywhere in the state of Michigan. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, buying a vacation home, or building a real estate investment portfolio, send me a text or give me a call. It's never too early to make a plan, and the call is always free. My number is 734-882-8194. Again, 734-882-8194. Or you can find me online at realtorandlender.com. That's realtorandlender.com. Whether you want to buy, sell, or finance a home, or even all three, I promise to provide the experience so many of you have come to expect over the years. And as always, thank you, and go blue. NMLS 1011726, Equal Housing Lender. If it's a night game against a Bowling Green or a 3.30 game against Nebraska, you got a lot of time before games. Why don't you kill it here at Venue, where they will feed you delicious food and wait upon you hand and foot because it's a restaurant. That's what happens at restaurants. Let's go. Let's go to Venue. So we're not going to start with the thing that you thought we were going to start with because there was sort of an annoying trend. Why don't I start with Chris Jenkins? You don't don't want to start with my tweet? Your tweet about... How Nebraska at halftime showed a highlight package, and they said, here are the highlights from the first half, and it consisted of three plays, and one of them was the guy, it was Harbor Harbor threw the ball, it was tipped, and he caught it and ran for three yards. The other one was the scramble on the last drive of the game, or on the last drive of the half, and then it was obviously, you know, the the bust on on the cross, but like... 
to me, that was just such a encapsulation of the defense as a whole. Like, oh, this is just another game where Michigan stuffed you in a locker. Yes. Uh, and I think the main locker stuffer was Chris Jenkins. <laughs> he was definitely the... Because yes. <laughs> every time you're looking at a play, it's like Chris Jenkins is not blocked. Every single run play, mm-hmm. he sheds a guy. There's the one... Um, Jet sweep that they try on third and four or yeah. something where he misses a tackle, but but he's there. But he's in the backfield. Yeah, he's like, in the backfield. Oh no, he missed and the tackle. He yeah. slows that guy up enough for Keon Sab mm-hmm. and Jalen Harrell Harrell to yeah. rally and set up a fourth down, which Michigan stuffs thanks to Gregor McGregor and Saab. Um, but he is currently completely unblockable. Like I don't know if Nebraska got him blocked once in this game. Yeah, he's going to come in for hell of a score. The triple option is the other one that he just completely obliterated because they actually had guys that that, that load option. Well, I'm not sure. It's not triple, but it's... yeah, it was a load option, and they had Michigan beat. They had an extra guy out there because they were using the running back as a lead blocker, and he just crosses the dude as soon as the ball gets across him. He just jumps across the guy trying to block him and then he's there and he's the first one to make contact and then everyone else can rally and it's like dude yeah and i mean john doer pointed out a couple good plays from cam good Mm -hmm. yeah there's one where jenkins cuts off the outside gap on an outside zone because of course he does right and then good is able to control this guy flow down the line and 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 make a play and he got across this guy too i think yeah he did It was a center that they got from Arizona State. And then it's a 96-degree day, and <laughs> Kenneth Grant is just, just okay with it. It's fine. <laughs> he was doing all he right. Was, you know, he was doing his thing, especially at the beginning of the game. Like, I, like I thought he kind of let off the gas when he had to start in the, uh, against Rutgers, and then this one he did not at all. Well, they didn't have a lot of didn't have a lot in the first of, half. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 23, I think, defensive Something plays. Something like that. And you're rotating in Betty and Good, too. So Yeah. And then the other thing, like, this wasn't against Corcoran. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make that perfectly clear. Derek Moore had, like, the perfect get skinny, cur- turn the corner sack in this yeah. game. Late. That was late, that right? That was late, yeah. yeah. But it was against the right tackle, who is <laughs> not Corcoran. <laughs> Poor guy, man. I, what is he doing in a college football game? Like he's wishing he was a guard. I, he couldn't even play guard. He's I way too know. tall and doesn't. I don't know. Weird. He was a big time recruit too. So he like, was. But so for people who didn't read the season, uh, the game preview, Turner Corker is possibly the worst pass protecting offensive lineman in college football. He had a zero for an entire season. He had four hundred snaps for Pro Football Focus. Two years ago, uh-huh. got a zero, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't even. How is that possible? Like, what's what? All right, so what's bad for Pro well, Football Focus? Fifty, and what's awful? Uh, anything below fifty? Anything okay, below but 50. like, what? Do you, well, like, what do you yeah. see? Even somewhat consistently you, you, from a really bad rarely, block where you're like, oh man, he got like I, 31. Or I he got rarely like a, see a, a, anyone under 40 because... You can see some pretty low game scores, but in terms of a season score, yeah, yeah. I, I've never seen anything like that. The good news for Nebraska is that last year he got up to a 13. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not, we're that also not, seems low. We're not taking pro football focus grades for offensive linemen as like the, the be all end all. Right. I, know, I think that's just run mostly run stuff because right. 
when it's pass protection, it's like, okay, how many pressures did you give yeah, up? Yeah, did you win your – The answer no. for Corcoran as a sophomore <laughs> was 60 <laughs> on 400 snaps. And a lot of those are probably also runs. No, no, those are pass those protection. Are pass oh, okay. Snaps. So – and then he improved to like – 45 last year. Well, so any the, case, the, so the the the, the Braden McGregor the Braden McGregor sack got a grade on a curve. Yeah. <laughs> the he was uh, very happy. Jalen Harrell sack, not Jalen Harrell sack. The uh, well, Jalen Harrell deserved a sack, and he just got held by Corcoran. Yes. Yeah. So there was that one, and then there was Stewart. The Josiah Stewart sack. Yeah. All those have to be graded. <laughs> <laughs> but Derek Moore did it against the right tackle. Who's probably not that great, <laughs> but he's he's another he's high a, recruit. He was he's another, a step he was, up. Yeah, that's the six foot nine guy. Oh, Ben Hart. Yeah, yeah. He might actually be decent, but the point is, you watch that rush, and it's close to opponent independent. He has great get off. He gets low at the right point. He turns the corner. That's the kind of thing we were looking for, and not consistent yet, but it's in there. And I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put my marker out there next year. He's Ojabo. Interesting. Do you do you remember who my uh, comparison was in his uh, preview in his uh, in, uh, recruiting profile? Uh, Taco Charlton, Gary, Gary. Yeah, Whoa. you can't do that. I was what I did. <clears throat> you can't do that. He, he's probably going to be short of Gary. Well, Gary w- didn't really get actualized until he got to the NFL. Uh huh. Yeah, I was. Yeah, he was kind of. He was an he, anchor, right? He was, yeah. He was, real, he was a very good player, but he wasn't like. Well, and, and that was Winovich was a. My big, point was, I was comparing him to the players that Michigan has, that that and like the career of Gary at Michigan was what I was projecting for Derek Moore, hmm. and I, I, I mean, he's got the pass rush skills, but he's been mostly kind of an anchor, and he's very good at that, and just that athleticism is what I'm talking about. Yeah, there. and then. Uh, Michigan has four bat downs in this game. So I'm glad you mentioned that because um, I wanted to mention when you were talking about McGregor, I mean, he made a couple other plays in addition to that. I mean, he's the one that gets his hand up because he's not getting anywhere in his pass rush, gets back, gets his hand up and tips for the Grant interception. Yeah. And then he also was very key in that fourth down stop because he just takes the tight end and just shoves him that, down yeah. the line oh to the point God, of where yeah. he – the tight end almost is the guy that stops. Yeah, he yeah, was. It, yeah. That play is all about stopping the running back's momentum. You're getting a running back well, the quarterback. Well, the quarterback. So you got yeah. an extra blocker yeah. in there. And yeah. then Sab makes another good play yeah. to come in. To and, come in, just pull him off yeah. and throw yeah. him back. Right. But, like, McGregor <clears throat> just takes this guy and puts him behind the center. Yeah, and that was a good uh, pickup from Brock Heward live. So Yeah. I still wish he was Robbie Hummel, but you know. I wish <laughs> do you do you like Heward? He's all right. Okay, he's not yeah. like Clatt's probably. You would take Clatt? yeah, but Heward's pretty good. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, just well, now we need to talk about the thing that was annoying. Well, defensive ends are not great linebackers in coverage. So slant, 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 slant. Um, I'm slightly concerned that Will Johnson is not what we were hoping for right now. <laughs> Because so, the one that Quentin yeah. Johnson tips, uh huh, he, he got toasted on he, that. He did. I think he overplayed it. Well, yeah, he like the, yeah. the guy's like, all right, I'm going to run a, a fade, and he bites on that, and yeah. then he gets like, there's no contact there. Yeah, like he's not going to be able to tackle on the catch. That's a minus two coverage event. It is. It is. And it's also. I mean, there was an RPO where they were reading Quentin Johnson, uh, and they were leaving Will Johnson out in space. But that doesn't matter. But it's, like, it's Will Johnson in man coverage against the guy, and he gets totally torched. Yeah. Like, that's not good. No. That was, no, that that was Washington, good. right? The, no. The receiver? The receiver, yeah. no. It was, uh, was it? Number it 13, doesn't matter yeah. who it is. Yeah. Doesn't matter. 
Um, and then there was another one of the slants where I thought Will Johnson was well off again. And well, it's, yeah. maybe that he was, also like, I mean, his how many snaps of football has he played? That's this what year? I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I'm not. I'm not saying that Will Johnson doesn't have the potential to get where we want him to go. Right. Right. He, he might still be injured. Remember, he was dealing with something, and it might. If it's a foot thing, then like he might just not be able to put that stab in against a. But it, yeah. So that's that was a little bit concerning, and then if they are dropping into the wrong windows for these slants because yeah the ends because yeah strategically yeah. that's a that's a good move because yeah they're you're buzzing the slants that they're running mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of like okay where are we dropping yeah, um, yeah. and so it felt like that re- really needed some work um, I mean we're 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 talking about defensive ends and but zone no, coverage but is not easy. But if you're going to drop them, then they, yeah, then they have to be able to do, do it. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Zones are not circles. You don't, don't just like drop to an area and like they, they're stepping the wrong way on those. You have to play the players coming into your zone. You well, have to not, play the route combination. A, well, but not if you're dropping from, from defensive end because you don't really have time to get your head around. Yeah. You just got to make sure that you're in the spot where when the timing of the slot, the, the slant is supposed to be thrown, that you're in the window. Yeah. And they were not. Right. So that's something to work on. Uh, and then you have the, the touchdown at the end of the game, which was against the third string. I don't really. Or fourth string. <laughs> it, was it, was, it was like. No, it was, the, mean, it was Atterbury and. Like Hood. 95 and, and 91. Except for Quinton Johnson was the one who just took a terrible angle. Uh, on the, I mean. The, there was. Like he, that should have been was, a 15-yard play, he's not a. the he's only a, guy who's remotely in the picture. He's a, no one else is even in the yeah, and he's a split yeah. safety, so it's kind of like he's dropping into a spot where it's hard to recover from, and there's no one else yeah. to provide any support for him. But yeah. when you're playing a defensive tackle who a month ago was the backup offensive guard, I mean, you're kind of saying, not that we don't care about the shutout, but like we're just trying to rep guys. Yeah, I'm not really concerned about it is what I'm saying. Yeah. I, just, I don't I don't think that there's a whole lot to take away from that. Uh, no. The the other play that – so Sab had the um, – he had the really good stop on the – and it was interesting that they played more at nickel in this game and then mm-hmm. had Samer still come off a bunch like that. I think that was probably a – Response to like the the triple option, like that's their way of going four three maybe. No, so they started with five two four and Wallace was off, so they went Sainer still, Will Johnson, and then right. the two safety. That's what I meant. Sainer still outside, not in, not off. So what I'm I'm so remember Sainer still got like a ninety one from Pro Football Focus as a run defender last year. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't I I just think that they're rotating through pieces uh-huh. and trying to figure out. What their contingency plans are right. for this guy isn't fully healthy or this guy isn't fully healthy. Yeah, because both Moore and Will Johnson, uh-huh. they're out there, but they don't really seem all the way back yet. Yeah, so I think yeah they played a lot of guys in the secondary. I mean, not in garbage time. I mean, in the first half, yeah, they so, rotated through. So I think they're just trying to to figure out. Okay, so what happens if Will Johnson can't go for a game? Mm-hmm. Who can we play at nickel if we have to move Mikey outside? That yeah, kind of thing. I mean, this- and McBurrows was out. Yeah, McBurrows McBurrows is also. out. Yeah, and I mean, this makes sense that if you want to get three safeties on the field, you have more played the nickel, which is where he originally started his career anyway. And then you get Keon Sab as your because he's a guy who kind of showed them some things this uh, this season. He did have. Um, I'm probably going to have to draw this one up, but like they had that other deep pass that was uh, not just necessarily a defensive end dropping. Like that no, was that was the that first was one or the second one? The one at the beginning of the, the uh, second half. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and 
that is a zone coverage breakdown where if you don't have anyone on the other side, someone you what you do is you have to have the cornerback either swap with a safety or come in and All pick right. that guy up. Weeds, but yeah, Seb was responsible. I thought yeah. he was caught flat foot. Yeah. yeah, he just looked like he was not ready for that guy running at him at all. Yeah. But, like, Michigan didn't rotate either, which was maybe more concerning. Like, sophomore safety doesn't pick the guy up is one thing. So not rotating is a lot lot more concerning. Do we know Barry's injury? He wasn't listed as injured. Oh, so he just didn't play. I mean, they only listed, like, three guys out for yeah, this I, I, Yeah, that's right. They, uh, uh, you know, the travel roster is shorter than the, the home roster. So like, well, because Barry played early, Barry right, in the, the first roster. week yeah. or two, and then he, we haven't seen him. He was out for, like, a game or two. We haven't – I don't think we've I seen him in a while. Still hurt. Yeah, and it's possible maybe he's not on the list because he didn't make the trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah, I, that was my guess on what was hap- happening with that. But I did think that the – Adding safeties is interesting. That think that might be a way to get their best players out there if they think that Wallace is not, you know. Yeah, I mean, if 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 they believe in Sab and they want to look at a lineup with more in the nickel and and Sainer still outside with with Johnson, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it feels like Michigan went through like maybe we can do some outside zone, maybe we'll play him in a tackle, and now they're locked in on who they are. Yeah. That's still something that they're trying to figure out on the back end. Right. And I, it makes sense because they've been so injured back there that yeah. you got to know who can play and whatever. Like they, they got to use backups in different situations, but they don't really know who they are when they have everybody back. It, it also looks like they have a few weeks to tinker with that as well. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is probably the worst first nine games of a season. Uh, yeah, but people seen. complaining about it's Michigan's not, schedule in September. Wait till you see October. Well, but part of it is like it's, it's not even completely Michigan's fault in that sense because they go to Nebraska, which over the last 10 years has been at times a, real, a tough place to go to. And they go to Minnesota, which has not been like the They've easiest. They've been a good team. Easy, good easiest draw. Would, right. The, both yeah. those teams look. I mean, well, we saw what Nebraska is. And I mean, Minnesota the, might look better but the that's big 10 being the, the big two little however many there are in the big 10 is not their fault or big three i guess yeah but like the oh, this will be the big six next year <laughs> um if we played ucla in the opener instead oregon of washington it will three plus three is six or usc so, oregon washington gets to be big ucla so, does not yeah. Oh, well, I don't know all of your flowchart rules. It's just based on like who's good at football. As you say, like good at football. Speaking of UCLA, I want ask. I was asking you guys if we played UCLA in the opener at UCLA instead of playing ECU. How different do you feel about the season? Or does Michigan have a? a I mean, real how does opponent? that game go? Is it the exact same? Well, I mean, I think this is a segment for the third segment. Okay. Uh, discussion for the third segment. Um, linebacker play was very okay. solid in this game. We saw Ernest Hausman deliver some blows, get off some blocks. Mm-hmm. He was called a traitor by someone near me. <laughs> I mean, his, they fired the coach. You can't be mad about someone transferring. Well, look, everyone kind of looked at him. He goes, yeah, I said it. <laughs> your team's getting beat 45 nothing. You're like, hey, man. You Why don't you want to be here for this? <laughs> How could you even stick around to play next to Heinrich? And In any case, yeah. B- uh, Barrett also had a couple of times where he took on a lead blocker and did very well. Uh-huh. And caused the fumble, which, the by the way, the fumble, yeah. was their most successful run play up to that point, well, which was like most of the way through the game. Probably their second. Mo- well, yeah, that non- was- non-quarterback. 
And we got a flucked yeah. don't, don't lie immediately after it because they took a penalty that goes right back to where the fumble. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, all right. Football gods got us for this one. Good job. Uh, so there's really not a whole lot to complain about except the thing we've already complained about, which is zone drops. Uh-huh. Zone drops. But in this game, it felt this was more like a defensive end problem. Yeah, I didn't see I didn't see that with a problem. There might be one that was Colson not getting far enough, but there was no way he could have gotten that far right. back. And um yeah, like the the linebackers weren't really used in that role, which is an interesting wrinkle. If like they don't think their linebackers are great at zone drops, that you can just get weird about it. But your defensive ends have to just be able to like play weird. Yeah, I mean McGregor is the one guy that I really like dropping in that situation because he's got windmill arms. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's super long. He's got. We saw him almost have two interceptions against Ohio State last year, except Stroud wouldn't throw the ball to him. He threw the ball <laughs> above him. Uh-huh. Like a jerk. Well, like Stroud did that to Hutchinson, too, what, two years ago. Yeah. He's always not throwing it to our defensive ends. Well. Yeah. Nuts to you, buddy. I, I mean, he he didn't drop into the right. He had the same mistake against Rutgers. When he did, but I, I like I like his overall ability there uh-huh. more than, like, Stewart, who's not that big. Yeah. Or more, who doesn't really seem to have a feel for it. Stewart was supposed to be good at because last year they were using him as a drop linebacker well, a lot. Well, it's possible his head is just swimming at this point. Yeah. Uh, and he might need to wait a year before he's like really fully ready to go. Yeah. So, you know, that's about that's about the long and short of it. I, I feel like we didn't learn a whole lot about this defense. Uh there's that you know, Will Johnson maybe not being a 100% is a bit of a concern. I mean, they got to clean some things up, but they've also given up I mean, the starting defense has given up how many points in five games? Uh, one touchdown and two field goals. Thirteen right? points in five. Is games. that right? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. So that's all right. We're gonna we're gonna live with that. We're gonna take a break. Come back. Talk about miscellaneous objects. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach, and it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss. And honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash blog today. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. 
It can be a rough ride along the information superhighway. That's why we build our e-commerce websites tough enough to handle the load. With the capacity to take hundreds of simultaneous online transactions and the stability of load-balanced co-located server architectures, a website from Human Element performs in the roughest conditions. Thousands of products? No problem. We'll throw in the tools to manage them with precision and efficiency. All with a design slick enough to make you think your girlfriend might be impressed. So load it up and hit the gas and let Human Element show you the way. Special offers available for returning lessees. Financing available with approved credit to qualified buyers. Client participation may affect savings. Optional equipment available at additional cost. See human-element.com for details. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. They play Wisconsin this week. Okay. And so the result of that one is probably going to be it, right? Where where is it? At Wisconsin. Oh. They're probably not going to win that. Well, um, they might. (laughs) That is true. It is a football game. They might. They could. They could. I don't think they will. (laughs) I I. I mean, their their numbers are matching up pretty well. I I didn't even watch their game this week, but they toasted some one double A team. Wagner, Wagner. No, (laughs) no. (laughs) Incorrect. I can't can't pronounce that as Wagner anymore. It's I've been my brain has been completely Germanicized. Oh my god! But Rutgers, Rutgers would if they win at Wisconsin, they have it. So I had to get this hot take in now. Yeah, Dave, give me your hottest take. When Mason Graham returns, Kenneth Grant needs to be moved to tight end. (laughs) (laughs) We already have a lot of tight ends. We don't have enough tight ends. What we don't have is a backup fullback. That's like the most Jim Harbaugh take we've ever had on this podcast. I mean, did you not see him catch that interception? He caught it away from his body. 
Yeah, you could you could you could motion him out uh, on no. a goal line no, formation, you and you could just post gonna, him up. You're gonna throw it's him like a an fade? entry pass. You're gonna throw him. A you fade. just throw him an entry pass. Oh my Who's God. getting around that? Now I want to just see this now, please. Oh God! I mean, I've been begging for Kenneth Grant on offense. All right, we're anyway, gonna call Zach like... Zinner and be like, "We got an idea," <laughs> and he's gonna be like, "That's the wrong line." <laughs> Randy, give me yeah. your hottest take. Michigan's third and four string defense is not good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th- this would they win the Big Ten West? But they win the Big Ten West. Still win the Big Ten West. Seth, I was thinking, what if Northwestern won the Big Ten West? I, I watched the <laughs> Iowa-Michigan State game, and Iowa's new quarterback, who is like Jared Lorenzen 2.0, I'm like, I seriously, I'm like, there is no team in the Big Ten West. What if Northwestern comes up and wins the Big I mean, Ten West? They they they, they, they made really a game for a half. I know it was it was uh, encouraging, but also appalling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Jason, give me your hottest take. Tyler Morris needs to fumble every single punt to himself from now on. So I went back and watched this. Did he actually fumble it? Yes. I'm not sure if he touched yeah, he it. He touched it. It yeah, looked like he, it bounced. It, it went right his off his fingertips. So. Uh, I'm uh-huh. not sure. Fingertips to the ground. Yeah. So you know how they have the tip drill? They need to start doing the fingertip drill for Tyler <laughs> Morris so they can tip it to the ground, up in the air to himself. Because you think about there have been advancements on the punter side of taking more time before they punt. All these Australian punters who add two seconds to the punt time by waiting to kick it. We need to have some advancements on the receiving side. The fumble to yourself needs to be his signature play. (laughs) All right, here's mine. Big Ten expansion needs to happen right now. <laughs> and and you're going to yes. you're going to screw Rutgers out of the Western Championship? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am so bored. <laughs> this is the most boring schedule in the history of Michigan football. We have 3 I mean, games in October. Maybe Michigan is just that good. I mean, it does kind of feel like Remember a few years ago, you're like, I'm not even going to bother watching an Ohio State game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no point in this. And it feels like, you know, Michigan was a, a fun team to watch for neutrals because it's like, yeah, they're ranked fifth, but they might lose to Northwestern. And now right. it's just like, we're not even going right. to bother watching this trash. Yeah. Because it's just going to be Michigan Unless dump trucking something. Urban Meyer, who predicted that Nebraska would I mean, stay it, with them. Yeah. I do think no- November is going to change this hot take. <laughs> <laughs> I do think November's games are going to be fantastic and amazing, but yeah, I think these next three games might not be great games. I, well, I welcome yeah. to like nineteen hundreds football. By the way, this is exactly <laughs> what like our schedules used to look like. You play like high schools and crap in like in September, and then Iowa school for the deaf. Yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden November would just be like death, 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 death. And yeah, then the, With then the, the th instead of an f. We gotta. Yeah. Specify. Death, 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 death. All right. If you can't get enough Sklars, uh, hit up the Nosebleed, which is the reboot of Cheap Seats on UFC Fight Pass, and check out their website for all of their touring information. Thank you, guys. And by the way, Dave, I got to say, you were so funny on last week's podcast. Dave got hit with the funny stick last week. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Great. All right. Hilarious. Well done. I mean, Brian and Seth. 
You guys always are always funny. funny. Dave just surprised me. That's in a ways backhanded that, compliment, man. <laughs> right there. Not, I need to work on my jokes. Funny, but Dave, Dave, you were hilarious. So I'm giving that as a not backhanded. That's okay. a straight-handed compliment. Just a straight-handed. Can I get compliment. on stage with you guys for the last two minutes of your shtick? Absolutely not. Oh. <laughs> no, absolutely not. All right, see you guys. See ya. See ya. All right, so Dave, despite being in the room with us, was actually at the game. What is the Nebraska experience like? Uh, it lived up to most of the things that you're told. I mean, we're, we're, we're basically told that Nebraska has the nicest fans, and I kept having fans wish me good luck. Uh-huh. And I, I didn't say it, but I kept thinking you, you might want to keep that. The for, luck? For yeah. This year? That, this year's a throwaway for Nebraska. Yeah, they don't need anything. Okay, but I don't think Michigan needed it. No, <laughs> I guess not. So they we they had the good luck. They had three fumbles. Or did you have a runza this game? And they got no. actually no. Michigan muffed a punt. So you didn't have a runza. No, I, I'm not. I'm not aware of runza. It's like a it's like a fast food thing that's only in like Nebraska and maybe Kansas. We or did eat at the Cornhusker Hotel, which is where the team stayed. Okay. So we're walking around. We went by the Capitol, walking around the city. It was, it was pretty nice. And ever, like I said, everyone's waving to us, and like we were—I don't know—I was clear we were out of town, but still, right. like I. And so we're walking back, and we're trying to find some place to eat. Walk by, and all these buses are pulling away from what seems to be a nice hotel, and it has like a cafe in there called the Cornhusker. So we go in there, and there's no wait. We sit down, and the um, the alumni marching band comes in to the cafe and plays. Was for this their homecoming? Back. Well, they didn't say anything about it, but it was an alumni band that was in there. And they were like passing around a pitcher for tips and everything. But they played a few songs. They played the victors. It was it was quite an experience. People were videoing it. I think oh, we got a video cool. of it. Yeah, it was kind of cool. And then we walked down. Um, Did they release balloons when they scored? No. Well, <laughs> I remember la- in 21 that. Like yeah. they didn't score for a while, so you're just holding these balloons. They don't do balloons anymore, no. I guess, which which is too bad. But well, I think it was like a global helium shortage. <laughs> right, and Nebraska was like a so. Right. <laughs> so I did see a couple good shirts. One of them was um, Iowa has bad corn. Oh, uh, that we saw. We have a picture of that. Yeah, Iowa has bad corn. Yeah, like, yeah. And from the last time we were in, Lincoln. we have. Yeah, we uh, Patrick got a shot. Okay, yeah. okay. And the guy is wearing like a corn cob hat in that f- picture too. Maybe it's there the was same a, guy. there was a there was a Michigan yeah. guy wearing a corn cob hat, which I thought was awesome. And and Craig and I were debating getting some, did, but we did. Did you see anybody wearing the MGO blog? We <laughs> have your corn. Shirt. No, and then I I did I think see we sold a total of eighteen of those. <laughs> so <laughs> well, this was. This was the weekend to wear them. We sold seven yesterday. <laughs> well, with one, with now one, we're up to 25. If you would retweet me, we would sell like uh, 40. Okay. <laughs> we, yeah. I also saw two guys wearing the, a hat and a number of people wearing the shirt that says, run the damn ball. Okay. And I was kind of like, you too. would have appreciated that because it's you want them to get back to Patrick got a photo of, uh, of one of their shirts that says, we almost always almost win. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, like, well done. So yeah, it's good. sort of they're leaning into the yeah. Iowa. Yeah. We cheer for the punter. That's yeah. got to be like their their blog. Whatever it's their kinda, blog is. It was, it was, I was kind of bummed. Like, I didn't root for Nebraska in the 90s because obviously. Yeah. But like now they're all like they all go and they sell out. And I mean, the place was packed, but like it's kind of sad. Yeah. I wish and, they were more interesting. And know? or like. 
I don't need them to be top five in in the country anymore. But like you, you it'd know, be nice if they were. They all come around level. and you come to games. Everyone's real nice, and uh, you just you want them to win some games. Well, <laughs> at some point they made a good hire, and so I think they'll get there. Like they're obviously well coached on defense. They don't have the horses yet. They'll yeah. figure something out on offense. But so. it's it's a good trip. Everything like is not expensive. Like like waters and hot dogs are like four dollars. Oh. And like yeah, I mean like you can go and like that we we got two waters and he's like ten dollars and I was like per right and he's like no they're actually four and I was like so eight dollars. <laughs> but. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, it's, it's Iowa wasn't too dissimilar where it was yeah, like, a, yeah. like there's this beautiful stadium and beautiful people in the middle of a cornfield. And like that's like yeah. the state has to produce their doctors and their lawyers from somewhere. And like this is where they come together and do that. <clears throat> well, but it's a it's a fun experience. You should go. And it was really hot. But we sat in the shade. Yeah. So there, oh, wow. <laughs> so the um, Michigan had sections in, in opposite corners. And one of them was obviously Full like sun. just baking yeah. the entire time, and we had it to our backs, and and so probably by and the, it was really windy, so like it was like a twenty mile an hour wind, wind ninety five degrees. Yeah, my friend went to the game too, and he was just like, I felt like I was in a blast furnace the whole time. Yeah, yeah, the he great, was in the sun. The Great Plains weather can be very strange. Um, <clears throat> so that was speaking of miscellaneous things. Yes. I, there are two, like, just sort of vibes-related things from this game. Uh-huh. One is that the uh, broadcast caught J.J. McCarthy saying, thank you guys so much after he scored his scramble touchdown. <laughs> the most is, McCarthy thing ever. It is the most McCarthy. And that's why, like, the season preview is basically like, look at this dude. Like, he's he so fun. Also, after the game, so the, the tunnel that they run up to um, – to go into the locker room, like kind of goes through the concourse. So fans like packed it. Right. And so he comes running through and just high fives everyone. Like he's hitting every hand as he goes by. There's like that, that story about how he tried to commit to Ohio state. Can you imagine this guy at Ohio state? Well, both of them. Okay. Like both Notre Dame and Ohio state are like, we turned down JJ McCarthy. (laughs) Well, you know who they, you know who Notre Dame took instead of McCarthy, right? Yeah. It was pine. Wasn't it? it? Buckner. Oh, uh, Oh, Jeez. <laughs> I, well, so the announcers kept on, like, they were fascinated by the fact that he was a hockey player. Yes. Yeah. And, like, that just makes him the most Michigan quarterback ever. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean. I, like, I, I subconsciously, when he rolls out on the waggle, I start going, whoop, 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 yeah. whoop, whoop. <laughs> Speaking of incredibly dorky things. <laughs> so the corn celebration on touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. Was, like, last year, I think, no. Was it yeah, two years ago? It was at Iowa. Was, yeah. They did it last they year. They did it at Iowa last year. Yeah. And it was just Quorum last time. They did it to Nebraska, too. We have a picture of Quorum doing okay. it okay. two years ago in Nebraska. And, and this one, so, you know, JJ does it. And then Quorum scores a touchdown. And what he does is he starts putting salt on the offensive lineman's <laughs> corn. Yeah, the, the, the offensive lineman eat the corn. And I was just like, this is just like the nicest group of people. It's, it's like it's like the, the the waving the chairs, the program. Yeah, yeah. It's these people, and I'm just so happy that like I get to root for this team. Well, and then amazing. then they asked him afterwards, like, how was the game? And he goes, buttery and sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? Yes. <laughs> so like, they oh have... my god, <laughs> oh my god, these dorks. <laughs> They are our, these are Michigan graduates. They, these are the same people that we write for. Like that, that's who goes. That's who's on this team. They are Michigan. I, people. I feel like like if they listen to the gimmicky top five segment of the podcast, which they didn't, 
But if they did, they'd be like, oh, man, he's so right about gnomes. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. There's our, our weekly gnome. People have been starting oh. to track like how often you bring up gnomes or gnome-related things. Well, I got to live, podcast, I gotta live so. my truth. Okay. <laughs> I'm living my truth. Here's your gnome moment. Anyway. Uh, moment of I'm, gnome. I'm going to start did, selling sponsorships that. This gnome moment brought to you by... <laughs> did, you did you have any other... Garden gnomes. Did you have any more vibe-related No, things? those are my vibe-related things. So there were a few interesting things that definitely happened. Um, <laughs> in okay. Like the game theory. We got a third quarter sad field goal. Which oh, yeah. I think has got to be a record. Probably. I don't think, I mean. Well, I think it was almost the same time as James Franklin's sad field goal. It was 28 Oh, yeah, it was 28 0. I was like, yeah, early I think the, I. Early in the third quarter. I may have yelled kick at James, but um, <laughs> then it, it hits like the, the net wire. So it looks like it, 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 the ball just like stops because you don't the field goal. Yeah, because it, it didn't hit yeah. the post, so no. it just like stops, like it hits nothing and comes back. I didn't know what it hit. I was very confused until I went back and did the rewatch, and it hits this net wire, which I've never seen happen before. Yeah, it. I mean that that kick just went straight the whole time. That should yeah. be worth a point. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you miss everything completely and hit the hit the net wire in the back. Um, also, th- he called rule calls timeout. At the end of the first seconds. half. Oh, I thought, okay. Yeah. Well, oh. we'll get to that one. Okay, yeah. But he calls timeout at the end of the first half for nothing, a throwaway out of bounds. And then they call a timeout at the end of the game for, a Hail I Mary. guess, a Hail Mary yeah. that doesn't get there. I, I think they're tracking stat, some stat about, like, whether he uses uh, timeouts or not. And, like, you know, he has to pay for every timeout he doesn't use. <laughs> so, like. I mean, so this is kind of like when you ask me, like, Can't you know, take him with you. Like the, the inverse of that is a good idea for basketball teams where you find the head coach every time they call timeout. Anyway, yeah. Well, just the bummer about the, the sad field goal is like, is this like the teams that kick those field goals are like ECU, right? Like, yeah. Not, not Nebraska. Well, Nebraska had a streak going of not being shut out. And at that point, I know we're at the end of the. It's, no, it's like the it's the first drive of the second of the third quarter. Like yeah, I said, I mean, by that point, they already knew. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like we're going Well, they knew we were going to put our third string like, DTs they're in. They're like, we, we got a couple long passes by, you know, throwing slants against their defensive ends. I'm not sure how sustainable this is. Yeah. In any case. Um, uh, uh, Doman had two kickoffs into the wind that were touchbacks. Yes. I, That's I, insane. I thought Michigan might have, like, when it got to the third down and long and they just ran, like, a, a power. Yeah. I, I thought that maybe that was just because they wanted to give Doman a chance to punt. So that was wind was coming. That up. was the one I thought when they it was the Edwards on third and ten, yeah. Yeah. whatever. Yeah, and I I was like, I wonder if Doman like paid them off because he's like, I'm gonna need this for my NFL draft video in a couple of years, and so that so he bombs it like what seventy yards Something or whatever. Like that. Yeah. His kickoffs with the wind go in the stands. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. They uh, on the announcer. I don't know if you gotten to rewatch it, but like when Toman kicks that, the announcer's. I think it's yeah. Clark. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> yeah. He's like, "That was up with us." Is yeah. I think yeah. what he said. <laughs> Which is not something you often hear from an announcer who's looking at a punt. They don't yeah. often go, "Whoa!" They're not. <laughs> well, they're not afraid. But they them. were not Pat, watching Pat Iowa Michigan State this week because we'll get into that. Well, Pat, I mean, I think yeah. Doman went to the wrong program because you can you imagine the kind of focal hero he'd be at uh, Iowa? I mean, they made. 
t-shirts for another guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, although Taylor is something, this is like 46 net. So maybe. we appreciate so, punters too, man. We have our, we have a punch segment on our, on our podcast here. Sure. So don't, Craig and I, 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 I quizzed Craig. I was like, what are you going to be negative about this week? And he couldn't really come up with anything, but. We are still in contention about who the punt returner should be. And he is still fully on team Jake Thaw. Okay. And I am on Morris. And so do you ding Morris for that? You do. Yeah. Do you ding him enough to be like, oh, I don't know if I want him catching a punt? I do not. Seth? I No. I I think I know now why there is a competition. Because if he does that in practice, then the coaches are going to be like, oh, no, you do not drop punts. Ah. Yeah. Um, but – like it's obvious that he's the better punt return. Like Jake Thaw had a great shot at a big long return, yeah. when he just gets hacked down from. Behind. He also made a nice catch on that because he's sort of running back, and like that's one where we've seen him kind of bail out and let it go. And and Harbaugh did say that they're you know that they have disparate skills, so like it's just our disparate those, disparate for us to figure out which ones are which. And, like, it seems to me quite obvious now that Tyler Morris probably drops them in practice. Yeah, he's a freshman, you know? He's a sophomore. He is a sophomore. He's a redshirt freshman. He, no, he, he, is, he, he played, he last, played year. last year. Remember the Rutgers catch? Remember how he was? Yeah. The, well, the pick six against TCU, that. he was open for the first down. While you guys are correct, you're also being very rude right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no real game theory to talk about. I, I they went for it, fourth and one. Yeah, I mean, but that's just like standard at this point, right? There, Especially with Michigan's offense, you're just always going to go for it. On well, it's good they're doing yeah. it though. There are a couple game theory ones that I wanted to bring up. Okay, on Nebraska's side, because Rule has a fourth and one, and instead of just lining up and going for it against Michigan's regular personnel, yeah, he calls timeout. Oh yeah, that was bad. And allows was Michigan it? to put like de- new defensive tackles out there. Why like, would you burn timeout? What burn I mean, if you're going to go, go for, for it anyway, it's, why? It's the first half. Yeah. Maybe you want to go in your bag and get something out. And like they but, didn't really go in their bag and get something out. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the upside of, of a timeout there? You said okay, if they wanna if they wanna come up with sort of a trick play, okay, fine. What else? Well, I just don't know I think they wanted to try to draw Michigan off sides. And then when that didn't work, they took the timeout and then they're like, Okay, we're still gonna go. Is that is that is that worth a timeout? No, but coaches do it. I don't think it's really something that rises to the level of something that you're like, oh, that's bad. I just thought it was. I mean, it was a no brainer. Go for it, and he kind of gave Michigan an opportunity to stop him there. I, I thought, guess, yeah. but I was I, I was grateful for the time. Whenever the coach does something, and I'm like, thank you, then I, that's... well, usually what you see there is they call a timeout and then they kick it. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been the you James very, Franklin you thing. You very to do. rarely see the timeout and then go for it in that situation. But he, to his credit, went for it. Yeah, so. and then. People were wondering on the fourth and three from their own forty-four. If we could, by that point he was down twenty-one nothing, I think. And I, I ran the numbers. It's uh, pretty close. So I, yeah. I think being down at that point is probably it might change your mind. But if you don't make it, you lose the game because now you're going to be down four scores, which they were going to be down anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When it's already that score and you know you're not winning the game, it's like, are you making optimal decisions or are you just trying to like? Do the not, the which face. is probably what led to the field goal. Yeah, they were just in not in the face mode from like mm-hmm. drive three. Understandably, um, any other points here? Uh, Michigan burned another timeout when they were late getting a call in. Yeah, that and was I'm like one in a game is no, okay. But, yeah, but there were several. Was time, it first half? There were a couple it times where they got half. the ball off with one second left, and then like there was that one too. So. Yeah, I mean it was better than last week, so yeah. hopefully they're like Harbaugh coming back probably mess with some things. Yeah. Um, that was really all I had from for this segment. Oh, yeah, and I had the, the question. What would you guys 
I asked last segment. Oh, yeah. Would you rather have, if if we played ECU, UCLA at UCLA yeah. instead of ECU? Does this season feel any different? I mean, I do think it does because UCLA is not a very bad program. And also, like, let's say Michigan does lose to Ohio State. It feels like it's unlikely that they get the mulligan Ohio State did last year. Specifically right. because of their crappy non-conference. Well, schedule. I think it's more because of look around and there's like a lot of teams that could make the playoff. Yeah, I know, but like now they may cancel each other out to some uh, degree. I mean, it, that but, always happens five weeks in. There's a bunch of like six and zero programs who played one team. But all these teams it, also seem. It seems unlikely like that we're going to see two SEC teams. It's yeah. true, but we could see Florida State. You could see Oklahoma or Texas, and yeah. you got three shots in the Pac-12. It's true. And then you got Penn State, who still hasn't lost, and Ohio State. I mean, and it doesn't look like Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan are going to lose to anyone other than those Each three. Other. I mean, unless Ohio State loses in Madison, which I guess is possible. Distantly. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I would just rather play that game because it's a fun game to play. Yeah, I mean, the thing – th- it was about money, right? But so you're Michigan asking – needed the money of – Oh, because that would have been this year? Yeah, that it was like, this year it was like a ECU COVID yeah, yeah. recovery kind of thing. So, Well, what happened was in 20, they were going to play that game even though they were going to only have six home games. And then because they fixed the Michigan State issue, now Michigan no longer had both Michigan State and Ohio State as schedule anchors for this year. So they were like, we can't have just six home games and only one of them. Explanation is not really that important. Yeah. What, I mean, to me, I just want, I want to play interesting games. It, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that, except that I, to me it doesn't feel any different this year because I just think now Michigan is – that good. I mean, you're saying, yeah, we're beating a bunch of polywogs or whatever, but like they're also crushing them. And yeah, I know. I, I think that you, it doesn't make you me can't think. extrapolate a quite quite a. But there is something to playing an actual team that is pretty decent this year. They're not great, but sure, you know, they're better than Bowling Green. Although BGSU just beat Georgia Tech. Yeah, I'm wondering <laughs> if that's. I don't know how good Georgia Tech That's, is this year. No, like, they're obviously not good at all. They're they're so bad that like they lost Sims. So whoever their quarterback is is someone who would have been behind Sims, who they, didn't play in this game, who did not play. In that yeah, game. I don't think you're going to see him again. Do you like him, um, Harburg? Yeah. Like, do you not obviously yesterday, but I mean, just well, you know, I thought looking forward. I you know, I went into this game expecting that their passing game would be basically nothing, but. He can fire it over the middle. I think he's got a decent arm. He's 6'5". He's pretty mobile. I think he's a guy who could develop into a pretty nice guy for them. And they have cute pictures of him going to like the Michigan The game. 2011 game. Yeah, the one that Denard just, just slaughtered them. That was, uh, I think, Brady Hoke's best coach game of his career. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> they were really good in that game. Uh, Nebraska really was good. a good team that year. Nebraska ran a weird triple option-y thing. Or they oh, they had the double Burkhardt? pitch or whatever. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. Oh, yeah, and they did it at like the three yard line, and I was like, "Thank you." I talked yeah. to <laughs> I talked to Will Heininger about that. He, I know him, and, and I was like, and he brought up that game, and I was like, "Hey, do you remember then?" He goes, "The double pitch." Yep. <laughs> but I was oh, like, man. you could have gotten fifty yards on that. Yeah, yeah. ran it in the red zone. They wanted to score against Michigan. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, right. a cute picture of the kid, and I recognized the tailgate there. So I was like, oh, hey, that's my friend's tailgate. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break, come back, talk to Jamie. Winewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis microbusiness for adults 21 and older. 
They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street from Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at winewoodorganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders, and first-time customers save 25%, as long as you're not wearing scarlet and gray. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. Here's the thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248-682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable community. Find me, oh, find me. Find me, oh, find me in the And Jamie Mack at DoscoverBlog.com. How you doing, Jamie? I'm doing well, guys. You know, after the last couple of weeks with the long schedules, we're, uh, we've got a short one this week, don't we? 
We do. Uh, we're going to start with Minnesota 35, Louisiana 24, because Minnesota's up next on the schedule. Louisiana actually outgains Minnesota by two uh, and spent most of the first half uh, in the lead. Calc Manis 12 of 14, 146 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. <clears throat> Their star freshman running back does not play, uh, but they managed to cobble together about 200 yards on the ground from three different guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Their defense has some issues. I mean, they pick off uh, the UL quarterback a couple of times. He's not that efficient, but they give up you know, some chunks on the ground against a, a, a G5 team. And when you're about to play Michigan, that can't feel too good. Yeah, the final tally for Louisiana Lafayette was 6.6 yards per rush. Now, at the group of five level, they're actually one of the better rushing attacks, especially at that stat. But you kind of would like to see Minnesota, especially since we consider them a defensive first team. You'd kind of want them to shut that down. But in the first half, Louisiana pretty much called their own shot. Things got a little bit tighter for them in the second half. Maybe Minnesota made some made some adjustments. But really, that, that first half, that was about as good of an offensive performance against Minnesota all season. So they do have a, a dual-threat quarterback who complicated things, but if Michigan so desires, they can have a dual-threat quarterback. Minnesota really puts the clamps on in the third quarter where uh, Louisiana runs just eight plays. Yeah. And they kind of put their stamp on the game. Yeah. Yeah, Louisiana had first-half drives of 64, 75, and 75 yards. That got them 17 points, and they did not have a drive longer than 20 yards in the second half until the final two minutes of the game when it was garbage time. Yeah, so, I mean, Minnesota is now 3-2. and two. They were coming off a loss to Northwestern. Um, we saw a very even game between Minnesota and Nebraska to start the year. Feels mm-hmm. like this is probably not going to be a real competitive football game. No, I mean, just to go back to that opener, Nebraska's defense kind of kind of stoned Minnesota. They didn't get anything going on the ground, and Calcmanis Cal- had a sub-five yards per attempt. And, and in fact, against uh, Nebraska and North Carolina, probably their two best opponents, he was sub-five yards per attempt. I would, I would expect more of the same there. You mentioned that Darius Taylor didn't play, and, uh, you know, this is – I probably shouldn't be spreading rumors like, like this, but they – their their newspaper in Minneapolis actually ran a story on Friday about well will Darius Taylor transfer like all the other Minnesota running backs if the NIL doesn't get doesn't get working. Oh, so well, they're, so they're, that was that was based on a quote in a press conference from PJ Fleck. Well, was it really? See, yeah, I, Fleck, I had, Fleck like, in a I press had conference. Fifteen said, seconds to read that before the fact that I had no subscription before it, you know before it blocked. <laughs> I read that no, he, I could this morning. I was like, "What's going on here?" No, he 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 said in a press conference that if we don't get nil correct, we're going to be a triple A team. Mm-hmm. Oh my lord! Yeah, so no, I mean that's you have triple A team slogans. So maybe there's i mean there's a dark side of fleck to like he well, he's, he's not been great to his players he he used to like the way he used to get players at western michigan is he would uh tell them look if you i'm i'm going to pull your scholarship if you go and look or talk to another team and when he was recruiting in the mac like you could do that um but it prevented mm-hmm. some guys who like you know yeah. jaden reed who probably could have played for a much better team than western michigan and and then ended up at a better school than michigan state no mm-hmm. offense to michigan state <laughs> and maybe even on a better pro team than the Packers, but that's another yes. <laughs> Um 
but like you know, the, the guys like that were uh, were affected by that. When he he's good at discovering them, but he also is good at manipulating them. And there's okay. Let's move on from this. We don't yeah. really well, need to. I just just one quick point to that. So we've talked about them losing running backs the last couple off seasons, but this off season they lost a starter on the defensive line, uh, Terrell Smith. They lost starter linebacker Oliver, and they lost a couple uh, DB parts. And it was really the first time in the transfer portal era that they kind of came out as a net negative. That's where I was going with this. They've got guys playing for Rutgers. Yeah, yeah. Should be playing Flip for Minnesota. Playing for yeah, yeah, and and why well, are they the defensive linemen's playing for Texas right now? Yeah. Well, I don't. I mean, yeah, how are you going gonna to keep them down on the farm once they've seen, once they've seen Carl Hungus? Come on. <laughs> All right, moving on to the funniest game of the week, which is always the Michigan State game. <laughs> Yeah. Iowa 26, Michigan State 16. Iowa uh, gives up a defensive touchdown. Uh-huh. They give up a defensive yeah. touchdown. Yeah. And then they get a punt return touchdown from Cooper DeJean to break it open. Right. And by break it open, I mean lead by one touchdown. Uh, right. So they get to 26. Yeah. But their offense's net contribution in this game is 10. But it yeah. doesn't matter for Brian Ferentz, who's over the Mendoza line for this game. He's still under for the season. Though. He is still under for yeah. the season. He needs to average 30 points a game the rest of the year. This was a completely hideous game in all respects. Michigan State actually outgains Iowa by over 100 yards, 349 to 222. But Noah Kim does what he does and throws three picks. He, now, he's, he's something else. As <laughs> soon as I think... Man, this Noah Kim guy isn't nearly as bad as Michigan State's backup quarterback should be. Uh huh. He overthrows his receiver by 50 yards directly into the clutches of a safety. I was thinking this literally right before he overthrew his receiver by 10 yards and DeGene had an end zone interception. He's 20, uh, 25 of 44 in this game, buck 93, three picks. And they actually have a good ground game against Iowa. Uh, Carter goes 20 for a buck eight. Kim picks up another 35 yards. That's pretty efficient on the ground. They hit up Malik Carr six times for not that much yardage, but they do move the sticks with that. On the other side of the ball, Cade McNamara goes out with a quad injury yeah. or something. It looked bad. Yeah. It was non-contact. Does not look good. Does not look good. So Deacon Hill comes in, goes 11-27 for a buck 15, a touchdown and an interception. They can't run the ball at all. And somehow they just Iowa out a win. Well, yeah. State gets involved in a punting war with Iowa in the second half. And for a while, well, it looked like they were holding their own because that there were some incredible punts in that this, game. Uh, it's a, it's a, <laughs> and but they also, though, had the worst one of the game. They had a 15-yard punt, though, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, sort of so State breaks. State they blinked in the battle of punters. Right. And then they and then they kicked the the, the, the return. They gave Cooper, Cooper – There was Gene nobody, or nobody within 20 yards of him when he caught that ball. Yeah. There was a yeah. there was a punt return. I think Michigan State had a couple years ago, where it was supposed to be a directional kick to the other side of the field. Against, was it Maryland or something? Something yeah. like that. And it was it, 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 it was caused the, them to win a game that they had no business winning. Yeah, and it was the easiest punt return touchdown I've ever seen. This one might be number two. Like Dijon had to like get past one or two guys. And the other thing from this game is that Iowa kicks a fifty-three yard field goal as their uh, kicker goes four or four. Taylor averages 49 yards a punt. Wait, I thought State kicked the 53-yarder. No, it was Iowa. Oh. 
Michigan State kicked a long one too. Yeah, it was it was their kicker's all, name is also Kim, and he oh, came in and yeah, yeah like he hit really, a fifty eight yarder. Yeah, 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 that one was ridiculous, and, and it would have been good from sixty two. And their punter averages. 49 yards a kick. So it was, it was a special teams off. And it's like, that's a land war in Asia, baby. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to be in Iowa City <laughs> in a special teams battle. Yeah, right. Right. And also exchanging defensive uh, defensive scores and whatnot. Well, so you've, been, you've given me a lot to chew on there. I'm going to start with what I think Michigan State's new offensive strategy should be. And it kind of piggybacks a little bit on your Noah Kim analysis. The second they're in scoring range – they should just kick a field goal and get three points. They could probably beat Indiana and Rutgers that way. I don't know who else they draw from the West, but, you know, that they should really think about doing that because these last couple of weeks, if they had gotten three points on a lot of those turnover drives, they, they would have won against Iowa and might, might have been more competitive. I, I think you're Indiana. you're underrating the degree to which Iowa just does that to people because Michigan State was – their offensive line looked good in that game. They looked like they were functional, and they were – Noah Kim looked functional, too, just passing underneath that cover, too. But Iowa does that. Yeah. They just play, bend, don't break until they get into the red zone, and then they just screw you. And every time Michigan State got cute, that's when something would happen. Yeah, I mean, I remember <laughs> last year's game against Iowa where I was just flabbergasted that they were not putting an extra guy in the box until the fourth quarter. Yeah. And they were just yeah. content to let Michigan grind it out six yards at a time. And State, like, they found a running back. Uh, they don't have a second yeah. running back, but, like, Carter – Carter can move the ball. Uh, I mean, he's all right. I mean, there was not much offense in this game, and he averaged positive EPA per rush uh, on the day. So that that definitely was something. Yeah, I mean, um, given what we but, saw from Penn State against Northwestern, I think maybe they're kind of falling apart a little bit on defense. Like, its cracks are starting to show. Oh, you're talking about Iowa? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree 100%. You know, I was thinking about this after last week's podcast. We talked about how, man, if Iowa's offense can just be average, you know, maybe in the 60s. And I'm like, what about the other way? What if Iowa's defense falls off 5% or 10% and whatever that, you know, whatever that means. But if they fall off just a little, this is going to go off the rails. And they really, I mean, <laughs> they were on their way to losing this game last night. It, you know, it was kind of another Iowa miracle they were losing going into the fourth quarter and they came back and won even though they averaged only 2.8 yards per play in the fourth quarter oh what i mean once kane went out i thought they were dead yeah they came back they were still losing with nine minutes to go in the game they only had 32 yards of offense the rest of the way and they scored 13 points well you detailed you detailed a punt return touchdown and some short field field goals but yeah that defense becomes like a b level or a b plus defense they could be in trouble well, one of the interesting things to me was they came out with a script, Iowa did, and they were, like, throwing to the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Got... That didn't work out for them. Well, no, but, like, <laughs> like, like, as soon as they started dropping it, I'm like, that's why. <laughs> I mean, they moved yeah. the ball, yeah. and then they did have some drops from the receivers, but, like, you can't put that on the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they were out of the script, it was like, oh, no. And then McNamara went down, and I was just like, yeah. okay, yeah, we're back to being Iowa. But – I mean, all had a great catch and run in the where you that touchdown play. Yeah, it was like, like a replica replication of the Penn State touchdown. Uh huh. And but other than that, like I was the, the interesting thing about this game is that State was able to move the ball all the way down the field against yeah. Iowa, and Iowa's defense is supposed to be amazing. And like, well, I don't know. It's do just, you think they're just gonna? I mean, at some point, 
they're going to get a defensive touchdown and they're going to turn to each other and be like, what are you doing, man? That's going to keep Brian. I mean, so like Michigan State, okay, they get 350 yards or whatever, mm-hmm. but their offense scored nine points. And yeah. one of those field goals was from 58 yards. Yeah. So if you're playing Noah Kim, it kind of bend but don't break kind of makes sense because he's eventually going to throw a hideous interception. Right. And I don't think Michigan should be doing that because they're on another level from Iowa. But like for Iowa, maybe that was just what made sense. And you can't look at the score of this game and say that they were wrong. Yeah. We're just way too invested in Iowa this year. Like the, the Cade's gone. We're not, not going to play them. In Iowa. They're not going to end up in the Big Ten West, you know, champion. And you know, Rutgers should be. But the you know, do we learn anything about Michigan State in this game? Is what I'm asking. Well, um, I learned that they should kick field goals when they get in scoring range. That's and an Iowa thing. Rutgers. That's another that's Iowa thing. Stay off the Iowa things. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get, get rid of the corn part. Well, I mean, they also had almost 100 yards in penalties. Mm-hmm. So you look at that yardage differential, and it's like, well. A lot of that goes away once you look at – well, all of it goes away, and then some when you look at turnovers and penalties. Yeah. You know, as much as Michigan State looked like they moved the ball, their final – they ended up with only a 29% success rate. Yeah. Isn't that great? No, it's not. And, you know, they're 3 of 15 on third downs. Like, this is yeah. not – despite, like, okay, they got some yards, but this isn't a an offensive performance that really kind of moves the needle for me and, like, they might not be dire. Mm-hmm. No. If they if they had uh, October and November full of Big Ten West opponents, I might be like, hey, they can get some wins. But it's pretty much do it against Indiana and Rutgers, and that's it for them. And I don't even know if they can do it against Rutgers. Yeah. Well, now their um, their NIL thing is falling apart. <laughs> like, oh my god! They had to cancel yeah. their contracts. Now I think people are over-reporting that most of the contracts that got canceled are actually the guys who are who left the team. It's like the the, the well, big donor was like, I'm the, not paying for these guys. If the report playing. said that they were uh, still paying exactly five guys. Yeah. Which is like, dude, everybody on Michigan right. is getting a chunk. And like, anyway, let's move on. Penn State 41, Northwestern 13. This game was tied at halftime. Mm. Drew Aller, 18 of 33 for a buck 89, one touchdown, no interceptions. Singleton goes 21 carries, 80 yards. Yeah. Uh, K. Allen, six for 27. Drew Aller uh, has one eight yard scramble and takes three sacks. Uh, on Northwestern's part, uh, uh, Bryant turns back into a pumpkin, 25 attempts, 122 yards. They can't run the ball at all. They can't really do anything at all. But because Penn State is just kind of stuck in the mud in the first half, that goes into halftime 10 10. And you're like, ah, this kind of feels like yeah. a Michigan game from last year where. Yes, a good comparison. annoying, yeah. but there's no way this is happening. And in the second hand, Penn State actually puts it away. Now, yeah. we're looking at this. Well, sorry. We're looking at this just, lens of Michigan versus Penn State. Right. And I just can't come out of this game thinking that their offensive line is going to be able to do anything. No, yeah, I, I agree. And, and Penn State's constant chase of Michigan and Ohio State, this is just another data point that they don't have the offense to do it. But it was a pretty strong data point that defensively they might be able to do it in a in a one game situation because even though it was ten to ten at halftime, there was no way Northwestern was going to win this well, game. They, they were going backwards all day. They had sixty three offensive snaps and thirty one of them went for one yard or less. Did you see the play that like broke the back? I mean, Northwestern they're hanging in until like one play, which is when mm-hmm. Bryant puts it 
right onto like there is nobody on his team remotely close. He like just throws it like as if you know he saw a Penn State cornerback and thinks like, oh, that must be my guy. Maybe he thought we were on the road all of a sudden. Understandably, <laughs> considering there were more Penn State fans in that stadium than there were yeah. Northwestern fans, but I mean that's just. When you're trying to hang in against the Penn State and your Northwestern, you're going through everything like they're going through, and then your quarterback throws an interception like that. I think that just – I couldn't take anything seriously after that because Northwestern just gave up. Well, and things snowballed for them because they get down a little bit and they have to start going for it on fourth down, mm-hmm. short fields for Penn State, and, you know, this is a James Franklin team, so what's he going to do? He's not going to put Jack Tuttle in. Right. <laughs> he's he's going to no. keep his guys in. Yeah. Um, so they're up, you know, 34 to 13 with four minutes left before they actually take Aller out and Singleton out. So, I mean, that seems like pole chasing to me because like, you know. Well, their last touchdown, which busted the spread uh, for them, that Penn State backers ended up covering because of this, they kind of did the fake kneel down play action with Aller. Uh-huh. So they were they were definitely sort of looking for style points. I thought they did the a fake kneel down. Yes. Well, yeah, they weren't they weren't in victory they weren't in victory formation. But you know how sometimes the quarterback will kind of fake going to his knee in the shotgun, uh-huh. and there was only two minutes to go in the game, so maybe they were in a half victory formation. But he kind of did a little semi kneel down and popped back up and threw it uh, to a wide open guy who walked in for the touchdown for the point spread uh, busting touchdown. <laughs> That's. It was, so they were definitely yeah. making style points. And so, like, does that feel like a team that's really confident that they're going to go into the Ohio State game next week and, and have a shot? I mean, that feels like yeah. James Franklin thinks that they're not going to, but he's like, all right, we're going we're gonna to hype him up. We're like, he's, oh, we beat this team by a million points. He's a great yeah, marketing I mean, manager. Unless they come out a lot improved on offense, here they got a bye week in UMass before the Ohio State game. So unless they magically come out looking better – we know what we've got out of Penn State. And, yeah, it does not look like they have the goods. This is one of my favorite numbers on their offense. Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen are fourth and sixth in the Big Ten in carries, but they're 21st and 29th in the Big Ten in yards per carry. Singleton and Blake Corum have the same number of carries. Blake's yards per carry is almost two yards better. Some guys who have a better yards per carry than Nicholas Singleton in the Big Ten. Cam Porter, Jalen Lewis. Or Lucas, rather. He's good. Can I interest hey, you, hey, can I interest hey. you in Christian Turner? Can I interest you in Christian Turner? I like him, too. Okay, all right. These guys are all better than Nicholas Singleton. They're not better. They it's not on the running backs. That offensive line well, no, is No, I know. I know. I, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah. But, but that's – I mean, that is the thing. Penn State keeps on rolling out this offensive line. And, like, last week we're like, oh, you know, Iowa can suffocate you. And Iowa just gets pushed around by Michigan State. Yeah, then that's yeah. the other thing is, like, you know – Carter, who doesn't look like a whole lot, goes for 108 yards on 20 carries against yeah. Iowa's defense. So, like, where was that last week from Penn State? And then they can't even get, you know, their top back to four yards an attempt against Northwestern. Right. Like, how is this going to work when you go up against Michigan and Ohio State? It's going to yeah. be all on Drew Aller. And and right now, he doesn't have the ability to carry that load. Well, um, and then the other thing he's is struggling to get chemistry with any of their receivers. Nobody ever seems open. Um, his average depth of target right now is 6.3. Oh Sean my. Clifford's was 8.6 last year. Well, and then the other thing um, about Sean Clifford is that you 
Michigan just mush rushed him last year, right? Yeah. yeah. The most dangerous thing about that Penn State offense was Clifford outside the pocket. We and played Aller, Taylor Upshaw all day, actually. And Aller isn't that guy. Really? Yeah. So previous good defensive lines weren't teeing off on this OL, and they definitely mm-hmm. will be against Aller. Now, yeah. all that said, their defense looks like the real deal. Absolutely. I mean, that that's, you know, can the defense – can the defense carry this inefficient offense? I mean, they absolutely look like they can. 27 pressures yesterday to Northwestern's eight. They have 124 pressures on the season. They've only allowed 35 pressures. So they're, that hidden yardage there when, when they get sacks and TFLs is, is crazy. 21% havoc rate yesterday. Um, Which is huge. They, uh, yeah. 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 And I already mentioned 31 out of 63 plays for Northwestern went for one yard or less. Everybody knows about their defensive ends, Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, Danny Dennis Sutton. I was sort of wondering yesterday, do they play all three of them often, if ever? And I really didn't notice that. But while trying to notice that, I discovered this other player of theirs, Zane Durant. Yes. Who is an undersized defensive tackle who's already got about as many snaps this year as he had last year. But boy, does he have a burst when it comes to pass rushing. So, he, I mean, like, he wears number so, 28. So he looks he like a fullback. This, yeah, yeah. He had yeah. three TFLs and one sack yesterday. Average depth of tackle minus one and a half. He looks like a player, maybe not against the run yet, but on passing downs, man, they can just, they can rush four if they wanted to and get away with it. But you know, they're not going to just rush four because it's linebacker you. They got, you know, linebackers blitzing, they got safeties blitzing. They're, they're a load. I, I, they're a load. The only teams that could possibly handle handle them are obviously the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. But against everybody else, they're just going to do what they did yesterday. I mean, one thing that popped out early in the season is when the Freaks list came out. There mm-hmm. were five Penn State defenders on it. Yeah, and not like <laughs> Kenneth Grant Penn State defenders, where it's like he's a freshman. Wait till next year. These were like guys who are going to start. Now, yeah. the one thing that you did bring up is like, how are they going to hold up against a real run game? Because Chop Robinson last year was not a good run defender, and the mm-hmm. defensive tackles are not super stout. They look nope. like they've been built to beat Ohio State, which is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. More teams should do that. So, But it is going to be interesting in two weeks because what you were saying about their ability to get pressure, like Josh Simmons, the Ohio State left tackles, survived so far this year. Mm-hmm. But that's what he's done. He, yeah. He's not dominating. I mean, they've, they were able to fend off – you know, Notre Dame's pass rush. But Notre Dame started in a guy who, you know, had to leave Ohio State to get playing time. And neither yeah. of Ohio State's defensive ends are particularly good at rushing the passer. So yeah. the Chop only, Robinson is going to be a totally different level for them. The only mm-hmm. team that uh, Penn State's faced yet that runs the ball like Michigan is Illinois. And that was a close game. Well, I mean, it, it, in the end it wasn't. He's putting up he's, – he's very good at the style points. But, I mean, yeah. Iowa can't run the ball. Northwestern can't yeah. run the ball. Delaware, West Virginia, those are the only teams they played. So that's the one thing where you're asking questions. It's like when Michigan comes out there and they put out three tight ends, can Penn State hang with that? And that's right. an open question. I think I think they'll be good, but I don't know if they're going to be that good. Uh, yeah, I would uh, I would definitely agree. Moving on to the second funniest game of the week, that would be Purdue dump trucking Illinois. <laughs> Ryan Walters says, "Bert, I'm free." <laughs> I'm free, Bert. <laughs> and what am I going to do? I'm going to score a touchdown to go up 43-19 with two minutes left. <laughs> yeah. 
So this was uh, unexpected because Purdue has really been struggling this year. A team that yeah. kind of felt like a year zero situation. And the yardage is actually very close in this game. Both teams get to about 400 yards. Uh, the problem for <clears throat> uh, Purdue, I mean, I'm sorry, the problems for Illinois are a bunch of penalties. And then, I don't know, what the heck happened here? <laughs> well, um, you're right. The box score does look even, but it's worth pointing out that one-third of Illinois' total yards came in the final nine minutes of the game mm. after they were down 37 to 13. And until then, Purdue had outgained them 372 to 243 and was a full yard per play better. And if you look at the drive charts, you can you – can, the, the even box score starts to disintegrate. Eight of Purdue's 11 drives went into Illinois territory, including seven that went to at least the Illinois 23. They gained 70% of their available yards. Meanwhile, Illinois, only two of their drives went past the Purdue 35-yard line. They had three three-and-outs. They had three first down-and-outs. And then they had a two-play drive that ended with a strip sack fumble, and it was what we've seen all year from Illinois couldn't pass protect. Luke Altmeyer was a sitting duck. Easy sack, fumble, touchdown by the Boilermakers. Um, so really that yardage parity and that statistical parity really only came about in garbage time. Purdue also won the success rate, 54% to 41%. Yeah, well, Illinois blocked two field goals in this game too. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, like, and I think there was a couple challenges that Illinois won where, I, I don't know, it, it – it felt like Purdue could have put a lot more points on the board than they did. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Illinois' defense just continues its 2023 collapse. Um, nobody scored more than 24 points against uh, Illinois last year. Four teams have scored 28 or more this year. Only three times in Belima's first two years in Illinois has somebody scored more than 30. Three teams have already done that. That's this wild. Year. So you've got probably... an offensive line collapsing. You've got a defense collapsing. You've got a quarterback that just looks like he's just toast right now because he's got no no protection. Um, this definitely looks like a disaster year for them. Yeah, and it's wild because you're like, okay, well, they lost all those guys from last year's defense. They still have Newton, and they still have yeah. another mm-hmm. defensive Randall. tackle. Like they're in the conversation with Michigan and Ohio State for the best defensive tackle situation in, in the conference. Well, Newton you know, left the game a couple times. In this yeah, he one. came back though, so yeah. it's like he's not fully healthy. But you know, that's the most important position on defense, and they just must have nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they had like their linebackers all came back this year, but none of them are performing really well, and there's just no depth in the secondary. They've got converted wideouts, uh, you know, playing safety. It, it's it hasn't been it hasn't been good now. This is the only game we had this week between Big Ten West opponents, so I kind of want to take this moment for a quick sidebar. For the second straight week, a lowly Michigan non-conference opponent beat a Power 5 team. (laughs) Bowling Green beat Georgia Tech yesterday. UNLV beat Vanderbilt last week. Could UNLV and Bowling Green win the Big Ten West this year? (laughs) I already suggested Rutgers would win the Big Ten West. I would say Bowling Green, no. UNLV, maybe. Wow, they were going to be the worst team on the schedule originally. Well, we forgot about the Big Ten West. <laughs> right, right. I do think um, Purdue, while they're not going to come back and win the Big Ten West because I think they play Michigan and Ohio State, they are slowly but surely turning it around. I noticed in the lead-up to the game, the, um, Parker Fleming's uh, stat breakdown, Purdue is in the top 
quarter of the country in EPA per rush or EPA per pass and the top half of the country in EPA per rush. And they improved on both those numbers against Illinois. You know, so you know, there's a lot of Big Ten West teams that are searching for proof of concept and maybe you have to squint a lot, but it's slowly coming there, I think, for that uh, for that offense. Uh, I certainly feel that in the meat of their Big Ten West schedule, they've got a few more wins on there, plus Indiana at the end. Speaking of Indiana, uh, Maryland 44, Indiana 17. Talia Tungavailoa throws a 62-yard touchdown on the first play from scrimmage. And that's pretty much all you need to know about this one. Oh, God, was that ugly. I mean, In, uh, Indiana was just the worst. Tungavailoa goes for 352 yards on 34 attempts, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, and it feels like all the sting has gone out of this Indiana defense, which has, you know, been fairly decent under Tom Allen. And then you've got yeah. wide receivers throwing to wide receivers, basically, uh, on offense. It just feels like this is it. This is Tom Allen's swan song. Since that magical 2020 season that I'm not sure really existed after all, maybe I slept through that whole fall, but they, they're, they're five and 21 and they're, they're minus 431 in scoring differential. Yikes. Um, and so you want a little gambling advice. So they're five and 21, but maybe they're covering the spread, but losing. No, they're not doing that. In those 21 losses, they're five and 17 against the spread with an average margin of defeat of 10 points to the number. Wow. So some gambling advice. You're looking at the board. You come across Indiana's game. Ask yourself, is Indiana going to lose that game? And if you say yes, then bet against them. <laughs> so this that's, is... that's pretty easy advice when you think about it. But, uh, so yeah, the... there's just really nothing good, to re- nothing good to report in this game. More fourth down failures for Indiana. They're converting one out of every three fourth downs in the last two plus seasons. It's just, just brutal. So on the other side of the ledger, Maryland has Ohio state this week and they're coming yeah. in five and oh, they've got uh, a big win. They're flying high. They've got tongue of Iowa. They're, you know, going to lose, <laughs> yeah. but you know, they, they beat the heck out of Virginia. They beat the heck out of Michigan state. Although yardage was kind of close in that game. It's like, they were and they weren't beating Virginia by that much either. That that game was pretty close oh, until they, it, like it broke open. Yeah, like. so it just doesn't feel like Maryland has the lines to compete with Ohio State. But it'd be nice. Well, I mean, talk about I mean, talk about a step up. You're you're going from Tavion Jackson, Noah Kim, whatever the Virginia quarterback's name was or is still, and now it's Kyle McCord and the Ohio State receivers. So you know, good luck stepping into that ring. Maryland just kind of reminds me a lot of the early to mid-90s Kansas State teams. They weren't any good. They always get off to like three, four, five and 0 starts. And then the uh, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Colorado part of their schedule would kick in back when Colorado was really good. And they would just, just get thumped in all those games. And, you know, Maryland just doesn't have a lot of competitive scores against Ohio State, Penn State, or Michigan. Some here and there, obviously, the 2018 Ohio State game stands out. All right, I'm just going to – but what about – Ohio State 23, Indiana 3 versus this game. I'm just, you know, it's like, ah, that's, true. that's a transitive that's property true. right there. This, that I is mean, true. This version that's of Indiana true. was just not. They, I think it, I think it, they, they did a service to themselves by playing this version of Indiana before Ohio State because it was so easy. Like, did you see how open those touchdowns were? I mean, yeah, but like, yeah. I, we watched. Marvin Harrison you were mentioning had like two last week how Indiana. Yeah. Indiana was trying in that game. This game they uh, they gave up. They 
Indiana is completely laid down at this point. Their offensive line are like just standing around watching no, guys shush. during the middle of the play. Shush. Transitive property. It's going to yeah. happen. Outback Bowl. You were talking last week about how the IU safeties weren't weren't that weren't that good. Um, yeah, they had a touchdown. They gave up a touchdown yesterday where one safety bit on the action uh, at the hash, and one safety bit on the action in front of them. And this guy was just like, "I'm right here. I'm right here, Talia. Throw it to me. Nobody's close to me." And it was just I thought I thought of you because I was like, "I hope Seth didn't see that because now he's going to yell at me about IU safeties again." No, I'm I just I'm bad at at Indiana for being this bad. Like, how do you let it get this ugly? Well, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really know. You know, they, they're not necessarily a program with a lot of talent. So when things go the wrong way, they go the, they go the wrong way, but uh, they need a coaching change. And I would suggest they find somebody who is really good at ginning up plays on fourth down, because for 10 years, I've been watching them march down the field, get in scoring range, fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and three. And they just fail. Well, you know who's amazing on fourth down and is available now? Mel Tucker. No, I was thinking maybe the, I was thinking maybe the Army coach. <laughs> all right, our final game of the week is Rutgers 52, Wagner 3. That's all that needs to be said. Thank you for yes. joining us, Jamie. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yep, yep. Go podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brad Cook and David Nashnack. Sorry, Nebraska, you lost the game that you almost always, almost always win. Mm-hmm.